Josh. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. I am Josh Jones. I am a drummer. I like to say I'm a drummer because percussionist sounds a little too hoity-toity to me. So I like hitting stuff. Uh, I play with the Grant Park Festival Orchestra as their principal percussionist. I am the former principal percussionist of the Kansas City Symphony and the former principal percussionist of the Calgary Philharmonic. Sounds like you haven't done much with your life. <laughs> I also have... <laughs> That's awesome. I have uh, one, two, three, four books. One smaller book that's more of like a pamphlet about articulations, and I'm planning on writing like at least five more. Wow. <laughs> and I have to write a second edition of book three. You should have brought some books. I, <laughs> My backpack's kind of small. <laughs> wait, so, wow, wait, we got to, we got to, hold on. I'm going to flip this camera so I make sure it's always on. I'm listening now. Oh, hello. Um, hello. That's crazy. Woo. So, So what... <laughs> Start from the further back because you just said a lot of you just yes. dropped a lot of knowledge. <laughs> you said a lot of things. So you played for a bunch of different symphonies. You played for Grand Park. You said, "Yep." Um, and then what were you doing at DePaul? Do you work there? Uh, no, you I'm there. So I'm actually playing a premiere in November with the DePaul Wind Ensemble, conducted by Erica Neidlinger. We're playing a piece by Augusta Reed Thomas called, I want to say, Illuminations Fanfare Symphonia, and it features timpani. So, funny story, when I was at DePaul as a freshman in undergrad, I was the timpanist of the Wind Symphony, basically, so under the direction of Erica Neidlinger. So, when this came up, Erica threw my name in the hat, and they were like, oh, Josh, we like that guy. Let's have him come and do the solo. So I'm coming back as an alum playing timpani. With okay, so that's where we went to school for music, DePaul? Yep, I did my undergrad there. I did a semester at Carnegie Mellon, and I like to say I did like three weeks at Cleveland Institute. Um, it was very, very short. Why just a semester at Carnegie Mellon? Uh, I got my first job um, right before I started that semester. So it was I, for a master's degree or a PhD? Oh, uh, I was trying. I was trying to get my master's. Okay. And then I won a job. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was Calgary Philharmonic. That was the first one. Okay. Calgary, Alberta. Yep. Okay. Way Which is beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Probably in the summer only, though, right? Yes, only. Well, <laughs> we'll call it April to yeah, October. A yeah, April to before it starts smoking and then smoking the f wildfires. It oh. happens every year. Oh, they have a lot of them. Yeah. Ouch. So it's like it's beautiful for a week and then it starts getting smoky and then you need a lot of people don't wear masks up there when it gets smoky, but I'm I have issues. So <laughs> I need to wear a mask every time it's smoky. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Did you have you have a hard time when it was really smoky here over the summer? Oh, I was I was used to it. I was like, you know, have my masks and hmm. it was it was weird to see people not wearing masks for the smoke because I was like, it's not healthy. <laughs> if if you know anything about the wildfires, I mean, it doesn't smell good either. So it's no, <laughs> no. Um, I I stayed in for a couple of those days. Mm -hmm. We have a nice clean house, with good ventilation, good central air. So that probably gets rid of most of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that that worked. Um, but I did go for a really long walk one of the days, and I was like, it felt like I smoked like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, it's it it's really bad. did. It felt like I smoked a bag of cigarettes. I was like, whoa, this is no joke. 
Eh, but people smoke a pack of cigarettes and they'll be okay. Yeah. So <laughs> if you do it the one day, it's if you live like that every day. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, how do people just go play soccer every day during the summer months? It's like, oh my God. So. Yeah. It's the downside of living in either near forest fire, mm-hmm. reoccurring places, or major cities where yeah. the air is just, the air in Chicago is terrible. Yeah. It's like, it's it's dust, brake dust, concrete and steel, like tons of car emissions, tons of airplane emissions. We have O'Hare and Midway. Yeah. Tons of trains and a lot of them are electric, but they still create a lot of residue with all mm-hmm. the shipping and moving and coal and this and steel and refineries. I mean, yeah, no, it's... It's not the best. It's not the best. It's not, And you know when you go to, like, other places. Like, yeah, you definitely you know. Like, oh, my wow. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, DePaul, Carnegie Mellon, then you went uh, Cleveland oh, Institute. Oh, uh, I did it out of order. Cleve- so, I did DePaul, Cleveland Institute for a little bit because at the same time, I was the percussion fellow for the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. So, oh, I was wow. trying to do, like, a certain a small certificate thing at Cleveland while also doing the Detroit thing, yeah, which was a lot. And I quickly said, oh, I should probably only do one thing. What year did you finish DePaul? 2014. Okay. Okay, so you graduated high school 2010? Yep. Where did you go to high school? Whitney where, Young. Where, where, Whitney Young. Oh, oh, oh. So you, do you know Thaddeus too? I do. Okay. I saw you did a, a, yeah. a thing with him. <laughs> Uh, him and I are cool. We're, we're we've I've known him for many years. He's played he played DZ Fest, right there. Twenty twenty. Nice. And then I've had him on the podcast. He actually is getting his master's at ISU right now. Oh, cool. Where I teach. I've been there for six years. I drive down there on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then I teach at Columbia on Wednesdays. And yeah, so I see him sometimes. He's he's been a guest speaker at one of my classes, and yeah, great vibraphone. Yeah, great, great percussionist, great musician. Cool guy, yeah, yeah. It's funny because he also went to Winnie Young, I believe. I think so. I pretty, think a pretty, lot pretty of sure. pretty dope Chicago musicians and artists have gone to Winnie Young. I think Chance did. I think mm-hmm. right, Chance. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, probably close to your age, actually. Yep. Yeah, um, a ton of people have gone there. Yeah, that's cool. So Winnie Young, DePaul. You never wanted to leave Chicago until you got out of and, yeah. Until yeah. I got a. a Something. <laughs> yeah, something comes up, which is really rare yes. in the music world, as you know. As I know, it's rare. It's it's when people, when I have friends or students, colleagues that want to go into the arts, it doesn't really matter what it is, just any arts, I always give advice, like, definitely do it, mm-hmm. but you got to be undeniable and you got to be obsessed. you got to be, like, intense and you got to go way above and beyond what you even think you should be doing because yeah. there there are jobs, not many. And a lot of the ones that are available, just like every industry, there's nepotism. So yeah. a lot of the nepotism is going on, so they get it. So if you don't have connections and you don't come from money, which is a lot of artists and mm-hmm. musicians, you got to make that happen. So you got to be undeniable. You have to make a name for yourself to go above and beyond, do everything ever you could ever do, focus on just that task, and you might get something. Mm-hmm. And it's might. It's not even guaranteed. Yeah. And I'd say when people don't listen to that or they they just think like, it's not like you're getting an engineering degree in mechanical, like mechanical engineering. You're yeah. going to get a job in aerospace or electronics or computer science. This is not that world. Yeah. Which is fine. We need both. But you got to, it's a different, it's a different beast. But it's really cool when people do it. Mm-hmm. When they like do it and they focus and they go to school for it and they get the job and they get those positions. It's 
so it's really cool you're doing it. What was it like on your end going to school for what what was your main focus in school? Oh percussion. Percussion. I it was I, I like to say it was the only thing I was good at. So people were like, Hey, you're good at that. You should do it for yeah. a job. And I was like, You can do this as a job. Yeah, right. I yeah, it, bang on stuff or yeah. Yeah, it's funny. So I grew up um let's see, how do you how do I want to go about this? Um so I grew up in Chicago. Um when I was in fourth grade, there was an opportunity to join the percussion scholarship program, which also Thaddeus Tukes was a part of. Yes, he was. Um, so they they basically take you through the entire gambit of orchestral percussion, but they don't like tell you that at first. They're just like, "Hey, bang on this." Uh, well, they don't say bang, but they say play on <laughs> play on this drum pad, and then we'll give you a snare drum, and then we'll teach you how to play marimba, and oh, by the way, we'll teach you how to play tambourine and timpani and blah blah blah. You know, so they they're like subtly telling you how to perform really really serious classically trained percussion. Yeah, um, without saying you're going to be a classically trained percussionist. Okay. Um, so around six, 15, 16, they may or may not have a talk where they're like, hey, you're doing really well. We want to amp things up because you might be able to do this as a career because you're doing really well. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I obviously did not understand what was going on because they were just like, oh, we're just going to give you more stuff to play. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, so lessons ramped up a ton. I was playing like super hard or quote unquote super hard. They don't say anything's hard. Um, they're very careful about that. Nothing's hard. They just give you a piece of music and you're supposed to learn it by next week. Um, so I was playing like grad level music before I was a freshman. Mm. Like I went to DePaul and all the nerds are going to know about this for my freshman, uh, entrance audition. I played velocities, which is a grad student level piece. Nerds. Um, yeah, and and <laughs> to this day they say no one has ever come in playing velocities as a freshman. Wow. Um that's awesome. So there are people who can, but at DePaul they haven't <laughs> had one yet. <laughs> so you're um, you're uh, ahead of the curve. Yeah, my my teachers uh Douglas Waddell and Patricia Dash. Um they really really pushed me and luckily I I wanted to be pushed. Um I, at least I remember I wanted to be pushed. <laughs> yeah. They might say something different. Um, but yeah, and I just like doing it. I've, I was playing drum set when I was a kid. And What what um, neighborhood were you from in Chicago? Oh, Inglewood. Oh, uh, okay. 55th and, or 56th and Wood. Yeah. 56, 35 South Wood. The house is Wood. still there. Wow. That is a very challenging neighborhood to come from and to go to DePaul and be where you are. So Yes. That's amazing. We did it. <laughs> no, for <laughs> we're, real. We're doing it. <laughs> That uh, that's wild. Yeah, my I I hung out in by Fifty Fifth and Western a lot because mm-hmm. my dad's from Gage Park, back the yards. You grew up around the South Side a lot. So as a kid, growing up or being around that area, and I remember my grandma would always be, they're Mexican and she'd always be like, "Don't go east of Damon on Fifty mm-hmm. Fifth. Like, don't go past the train tracks. Yeah. Like classic. Like yep. no joke. Don't go past the train tracks." And I was like, "Why?" And she's like, "Just stay over here." <laughs> I mean, like, I, I wasn't even from, I lived in the suburbs, so it's like, I really don't know what I'm doing or how to navigate the city. It's a different mind. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's, I, when I drive, if I drive through that area, if I, like, want to go to Hyde Park, you know, and I get off to 9094 and 
go just by past Martin Luther King Drive mm-hmm. and out there. And what bothers me so much, and you grew up with this, so I'm sure it really bothers you, is you see the UFC campus yeah, and that world, and then there's a park, mm-hmm. and then there's what should not be happening with humans in America, yeah. with the prosperity and these skyscrapers and an endowment of $10 billion right around the corner called University of Chicago. Yeah. And I don't care how it sounds. It pisses me off. I'm like, I don't know. So I... Yeah. It's sad. It's like, why, what is, why, how, are they, how are these so close to each other, juxtaposing each other in the same view? Mm-hmm. You know, you can be and look a thousand feet in one direction and it's like millionaires. And you look one way and you're like, some of the harshest conditions in America right in your face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I don't know where I'm going with this. I just, when I oh, hear that, I just. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's stupid. Especially to see what what was lost when they took over that big plot of land for that school is just so sad because there were places where we would go to play chess with all the neighbors and um yeah just we used to feed birds Mm -hmm. in in one of the smaller parks and now it's like a i forget where the building used to be too like i can't even remember where things used to be just because it's so yeah so it's sad yeah you know capitalism (laughs) 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every form of uh, society or government has its pros and cons to a certain point. Yeah. Like capitalism is great literally to a certain point on both ends of the bell curve. In the middle, it works great. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I, you could write a book, I could start a business, I could start a festival. Like I literally can with like next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could do it if you like persevere and try and make connections. Can't really do it in a lot of other countries. Yeah. Um, really can't. But once you get to the tips of either end, it is hot garbage. It is dangerous mm-hmm. and it is scary and it is exploitative and it's a lot of things. I don't really know what to do about it. Me neither. <laughs> but uh, I, I just wish people who did make a lot of money through their ideas and companies just did more with it. I, I have no yeah. problem with making the money. But it's like, do you really need these billions? You really don't. Like, you really don't. And you could you could save millions of lives with all this money. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. Like, these people are already living off next to nothing. They don't need much to be okay. Mm-hmm. Or just uh, reviving neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. Just like, you don't even have to give money directly to a person. Just like, invest in the neighborhoods. Bring some small businesses in. Um, some stores. Things that can bring jobs. That's what makes a neighborhood worth living in and safe yeah and that's all it's that simple libraries um museums just things to do you know mm-hmm. a lot of kids really just get in trouble because there's nothing yeah to do there's in nothing to do there's what? nothing to do they just do stupid stuff instead what what made you growing up in that area what made you go the direction you did so <laughs> wood that's two blocks west of ashland so like right Think so. I, I'm terrible with I'm, directions. I'm good with them, so I'm gonna go with my hunch. I'm pretty sure it's two blocks west of Ashland and 56. You said, yeah, that's a that's a challenging place to be. That that whole Englewood area, you know. Yeah, so we weren't allowed to go outside. Right. Uh, I remember we went outside once to ride my blue Power Rangers tricycle, and that was the last time I remember riding it. It was like one day. Um, I don't even remember the second time we went outside to play. Like, really? Yeah. So oh my we were God. in the house, and did, did someone take the bike? Is that why you don't? Oh no! It? It's, it was it was in the uh, <laughs> it was in like the basement or something, oh, okay. or or in the back. 
uh, entrance to the basement or something like that. Right. But yeah, we were just in the house, uh, you know, play. I have two sisters, so we played a bunch. Um, and I like drums and music, so I would sing along to tapes, tape uh, cassettes. Uh, we had like four or something. Uh, it was a Rocky Three mixtape, which is my like favorite the move, rock. Like the score? Yeah, it's like rock. <laughs> was it Rocky Three or Four? It might have been Four. I think it was Four. Rocky Four. Rocky Three is my favorite Rocky. Though. Is that with Hulk Hogan or Mr. T? Uh, three. Yeah, Three is the one with with Hulk Hogan in the yeah. beginning, and then yeah. Mr. T. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I pity the fool. Um, <laughs> see, that's that's my favorite one. Um, I love the Rocky series. So we had Rocky Four, we had uh, Disney, uh, and then a, a bunch of Down to the Bone, uh, smooth jazz ish kind of, not really, um, and then a bunch of gospel tapes. Mm. And I would, I memorized all of it, and I would sing different lines of either the orchestra playing or the the singers. Like I, I have a very wide range uh, in my voice, so I would sing all the. Uh, women lines and be like <laughs> and I would just go back and forth like I would sing the Aladdin A Whole New World and I'd go back and forth between Jasmine yeah, and Aladdin, Aladdin. really? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you sing? like is that a no <laughs> I sing well enough to anyway. teach um, like I'm really good at singing uh, for teaching okay um, and I do it on my Instagram too when I'm sight singing something on vibes usually um, but yeah I wish I had a better pleasing voice for people so I could be a famous singer you, or me, you, you and me both you and me both cannot sing I mean obviously it's one of those things where you can practice it and get mm -hmm. better but that's true but then there's something called uh, tonality and timbre and like if you don't have a pleasing tone and an overall uh, appealing timbre sometimes not even for like uh, objectively beautiful but unique because mm -hmm. there's people who yeah. don't have like classically beautiful like a Whitney Houston voice mm -hmm. or Celine Dion but they have a very unique Jacob thing. Collier <laughs> anybody Some, someone has a very they're on pitch on time great cadences but they have like some gravel to their yeah. voice or something and people like that too but when you're in this place not in both of those camps you're kind of like oh. It's just not that. And then you do Muppet voices, and then you can sing whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, or you just you become a writer and you write the lyrics for someone else yeah. to sing. You know, that's what I've always done. Mm -hmm. like, I don't. Know. Someone else sang it. I'm okay with it. You know, but uh, so that you just stayed at home and just played a lot of music. Yep. Man, I stayed out. I was like only outside in my neighborhood, but it was very um, open yards, wood, mm -hmm. woodsy. You know, and it's. That sucks. Makes me sad. There's a lot of people who deal with that, you know? Yeah. 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 But you turned out all right. Yeah, <laughs> you did. You sure did. So you got into that, went to Whitney Young, which is a great school, and then to Paul. And then you said, you how many books have you, you wrote books? How many? Yeah. So when I was at a uh, percussion scholarship program, I would always be asked by Doug to help out the younger students. Um just because I like, I just liked helping people. So yeah. I would, I would just like, oh, do you need help with the first years? He'd be like, yeah, just look at their thumb and first finger. And then the next year, I'm like, oh, do you need help? Like, yeah, teach this kid how to roll. And so I would, e eventually, they started giving me some students to help for, with specific problems that I was really good at fixing. Um, to this day, they still ask me to teach people how to roll. 
because <laughs> uh, I have a really good drum roll. Um, <laughs> so I was started. I actually was hired as an assistant teacher by them when I went to DePaul. Um, so when I graduated, they were like, "Oh, we want to give you a job with the CSO Percussion Scholarship Program." So wow. I was still teaching there from 2010 to 2014. Um, before that, though, I started noticing. Um, things that the kids would always be exposed to and certain exercises that I thought were really helpful to get them uh, ready for certain tests that they would have to do. So I started writing like small pamphlets of like, this is what they need to know when they're a first year. This is what they need to know when they're a second year. And eventually it turned into, well, what am I working on? I'm Mm -hmm. working on these things and this, and I don't see this in a book. And I just started writing exercises for myself okay um and it started as one pamphlet to like five chapters to now we have 10 books on the way basically wow over a 10-year period and what what percentage of those books is like you're doing i want to say so i i actually put this in the first book too um because of certain aspects of playing that I didn't find in percussion, I started venturing out into acting philosophy, uh, martial arts philosophy, uh, Buddhism, um, Feldenkrais method, Alexander technique, and just trying to make a drum version of all of that. Okay. So there are certain things where I'll say, like, um, I'm always talking about a loose tailbone. And my, my, if my students hear this, they're like, oh, the tailbone again. <laughs> um, but that's something. What does that mean, the loose tailbone? Oh, it's like feeling your, it's a Feldenkrais thing where you're supposed to feel your skeleton on a chair or um, just in general. You're supposed to feel your skeleton more than you feel your muscles because that's the more relaxed way of mm. feeling things. I broke um, my tailbone. Oh, once. God. It was not good. That's, yeah, that's not, ow. It was one of the worst things I ever experienced. But it's okay. I just couldn't sit right or lay down right for like a year. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> not to be a Debbie Downer. Oh no! I just when you, as soon as you said tailbones, I was you're like, like oh, oh, those. T- those yeah, were the it brought days. back fond memories. <laughs> um, that's interesting to kind of like feel more grounded and focused. Yeah, maximum okay. weight. So there are certain things where I'm always. This is another thing. Anytime I say something that I got from like Bruce Lee or another teacher, I'm always like, oh. I learned this from Keith Aleo or Bruce Lee or Lay Twins. So I'm always trying to credit who I learned it from right. instead of some people who are just like, oh, I learned everything by myself and uh, this is my idea and yeah. my book. So no, I, very few people have learned anything on their own. Yeah. <laughs> very and few. I will say there are certain very niche things that I've discovered by myself and they're super niche. Like, um, I don't know. There, there's a really niche thing where I can change the fulcrum in my hand based on weight distribution and not simply like thinking about a finger. It's it's weird. It's in the first book. Um, <laughs> Read the book, kids. Yeah. It's, yeah what what it, are the names of these books? And spatial words? Studies for Hitting Things. That's a funny name. I, it's a 100% uh, acceptance rate. I don't know. <laughs> It sounds like something for like kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 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 and that's how simple it really should be. Like, I don't know. That's cool. And how many? You said ten books. So I have 
four out, and I'm I have ten planned. That's that's the wow. idea. How long are these books? <laughs> Depends on the book. The fourth book is the shortest because it's the etude book. It's extremely difficult. I'm sorry. I feel bad whenever somebody buys it because I'm just like, oh, they're gonna hate me. <laughs> Why? Why? The solos are very hard. Oh, okay. Like you need to be very. <laughs> you have to really know your. <laughs> way around a drum to play them. They're, yeah. they're extremely hard. Okay. Um, but doable, because I've played them all. Have you been checking out my Gretsch over there? <laughs> I know you have. It's fine. It was a, a very uh, good purchase, but, like, nothing fancy. But everyone who comes in to, like, record here, they, instead of bringing their kit, everyone enjoys a Gretsch, mm-hmm. you know. Bring their snare, kick, pedal, cymbals, you're set. But um, what kind of kit do you tend to play on? Uh, like sonar. Sonar, okay. Usually. I have a very, well, my sister has a very small, uh, cocktail kit. That sounds amazing. Um, but I haven't played on it in a very long time. Okay. So probably a decade now. And what about, um, what other instruments do you play besides? Everything. (laughs) Everything? Uh, I only know things, I can... Name the things I can't play. I can't name the things that I can't play because there's uh, too All right, many. let's do that. Uh, I cannot play Baron Bow. I can hack my way What's through. a Baron Bow? It's like, it looks like a, a bow, like a, a bow and arrow bow. Oh, with yeah, With a yeah, gourd yeah. in the middle, and uh, you hit it with a like a branch or something. Uh, okay. <laughs> People are going to hate me. Where does that, that derive from? What I have no idea. Sounds very... Um, different yeah foreign. i really should know because i have friends who play it and they're going to be sad that i don't know where their instruments from so and there you're talking you could play instruments that aren't even percussion based oh no just all percussion oh, I, can, I can hack I my you, way through like piano i but, thought you meant like everything like i play violin viola god like, no i can i can okay, make you're a talking sound strictly percussion. strictly percussion so vibraphone xylophone vibe xylo glock marimba marimba uh chimes Timpani, drum set, uh, conga, all the congas. Pa- uh, Pandero, I love Pandero. Tambourine, triangle, uh, cowbell. cowbell. <laughs> you get all the small all stuff. The, all the stuff. Wind whistle. <laughs> Wind. I can whistle well. Timpani, can you can you talk more about that? Oh, oh God, that's book seven, hopefully. But that's like one of the big things you do, right? Yeah, I'm actually assistant timpanist at Grant Park. Oh shoot! So I'm principal. It's one of the rare principal percussion and assistant timpani jobs. I don't think there's work? many of those. So how often do you play? Oh, it depends on the year. Last year I played twice or once. I might have played once this past summer. That's I it. Think they I don't played do more shows. Three- oh, because they have a main timpani guy. So oh. so I'm the assistant. So it's either. So we got it. We got to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, like so, sometimes there are pieces like last, not this past season, but the year before, there was a piece where it required two timpani players. Mm. So I would play the second part, and he would play the first part. It's a really dope piece too. How how big in diameter are the timpanis? Uh, not I guess not including the the rim. You have thirty two inch, a twenty nine. 26 and a 23 usually uh some are 31 i forget 25 20 i forget all the mm-hmm. yeah i can't you remember said 36 32 32 so two yeah 32 two and a half, to two and three quarter feet yeah wow. and then sometimes there's a 20 
as if it's a drum. That's big. How low? Do you know how low in frequency they get? Um, pitch? on a really, really, really good set, the lowest pitch on a thirty-two, you can get a C. Um, okay, a so low C. That's like that's on a really, really, really good one. It's like what thirty-two hertz or something. I have no idea. <laughs> I think I'm really is. bad at music. No, well, that's not. Now you're not music. Now we're getting an audio, in audio theory. You know, I think a, th- a C might be because if. Uh, I believe it's 32, because uh, an A is 27 and a half on a piano, the low A, which means A flat's probably 29, B, yeah, it might be like a 32, 33 hertz, very low frequency. Yeah, it's pretty low. The, the, the sound wave that comes out of that is multiple feet wide. It's quite big. That I have heard. Yeah. My partner, Sarah, she always talks about uh, her low E. It's like however long. Low so, E of which, what instrument? Uh, bass, double bass. Double bass. So the E... I think the E is like around 45, 42, 45 hertz, I think. And, well, if 1,150 feet is a foot in hertz, I I just know. I teach this stuff. I know it. Oh, there you go. Half of that is about 50, 550, 565, so it was 2 feet, 4 feet, 8 feet. 16 feet, yeah, probably like 20 feet. Mm, 20, okay. Yeah. She's very happy to have a long practice room because now she can hear the whole... Yes. The, yeah. Yes, because if you're in smaller rooms, you'll get more standing waves mm-hmm. and some unique nodes and anti-nodes yes. in space. Because <laughs> the room acts as a resonator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's also not always ideal to be outside when you have no acoustic reinforcement. Yeah, Because yes. then the opposite happens and it's n- very unnatural sound. Mm-hmm. That's why they have acoustically treated spaces that... You know, work for this stuff. I don't. We're on a rant with that. I nerd out about it. It's fascinating. Oh, it's just fascinating knowing like you exist, and there's these things just going on all around you. Yeah, big frequencies diffracting all around all these objects, and mm-hmm. you can't see them. You just hear them and feel them. That's cool. That's a big frequency, though. So you do the timpani, and then you play for an orchestra. You do it in an orchestra. Oh yeah, just Grand Park. Just Grand Park, but not any other cities. Uh, I sub with the Pittsburgh Symphony, the Detroit Symphony, the Lyric Opera. I think I'm now on the Richmond Symphony. Do you just drive to these places when they call you? Oh, I fly. Fly. Fly and bus and Uber. I do not drive. Right. Yeah, you say that with such force. Is it like... Yeah, it's like a... That would be a deep cut. It's like a speed racer reference. (laughs) Oh, okay. I can't tell if you're like proud of it or out of necessity or... Both? Every every time I try to get my license, I get way too busy to finish the course. Like, <laughs> it's like a running joke in my family. It's fast. You could do it. It's quick. That's the thing. It's like, oh, I would take the classes, and then when it comes time to take the test, like, I have to go out of country or something. Like, it's <laughs> – or something crazy happens. Like, it's just – it never worked out. Mm, okay. Yeah, so you, you travel a lot to different places. Uh, my buddy Jason Niehoff – I don't – man, I know him, but he – does a similar thing. He's just, he plays upright bass and he's always going around Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, Grand Rapids, Cincinnati. He just, we just recorded here a couple days ago because um, nice. he was submitting for Minnesota's principal bass position. Um, yeah, he used to be really close with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra's principal basses for a long time. Joe something, I can't think of his name. Anyway, um, yeah, but I've, I've noticed a trend of a lot of people trying to get into orchestras that mm-hmm. just like, go all over yeah. the Midwest, the whole country for like that gig, this gig, mm-hmm. this here and there. So it, it, that part of it almost is more like um, 
high-end freelance position? Yeah. 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 If you could pick one, which one would you want to be in? Uh, Chicago. Yeah. I like, guess that was Chicago, an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Lyric is going to have an audition at some point. I don't know when, but the Lyric Opera will. So mm. not that I... Not in love with opera, but I wouldn't mind it's playing opera. It's not the opera. worst. Yeah, it's definitely not the worst. There are worse things that have to do in life. You could just be playing a drum kit at some local cover band bar, too. Could be doing that, which that's fine, too. Yeah, but that's like, definitely not the Lyric Opera House or CSO, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, would, I also love teaching. So if somebody offered me a teaching gig, mm-hmm. I would be down. <laughs> do you teach now at all? Yes, I teach online, in person. I think that's all you can do right now. <laughs> and I in teach spirit. Via, you forgot via spirit. Pigeon. You forgot spirit. I teach in spirit. I teach in online. I teach in person. Carrier pigeon. Carrier pigeon. That's okay. So by that, do people like go to your place and you just? Oh, them? I usually uh, either. I think I mainly go to other people's places. Oh, uh, okay. Um, at least that's the trend right now. Or I do Zoom and then we just. They're in their practice space, and I'm looking like, oh, what sticks are you using? Oh, I'm so tired of Zoom. It was like barely a thing, and now it's like the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's weird. Man, if you bought, if you didn't know and you bought stock in Zoom in like February, (laughs) man, that's funny to think about. So have you ever tried playing other instruments, or you just kind of stuck with percussion? I just stuck with percussion. I tried playing electric bass because my dad and my aunt play electric bass. Okay. um, On his side, his sister. Um, I was very bad, so... You're like, I'm staying away from a lot of stuff. I'm I'm going to percussion. Yeah. My left hand was worthless. (laughs) Mm. Um, Have you played outside of the country? Uh, Canada. Oh, yeah, Calgary, but just Calgary. But other than that, no. No, okay. And do you do a lot of, do you study a lot of the history of percussion? Like, no, do you, do you, I really should. I'm a bad percussionist. <laughs> I was wondering if you knew more about the history, because it's a very um, interesting and deep, rich history. Because yeah, it might be, yeah, depending it's the first on, instrument in my book, besides yeah, it, our human voice. You yeah, know? it depends on, like the, uh, what do you call it? Like the history of the marimba is slightly newer, but if you go back enough, it's really not. Like it's you know kalimba uh, in Africa. Um, I forget which one is called in China, and there's like they're everywhere. It's funny um, those are considered like percussion. Yeah, I always found like marimba vibes xylophone. I mean, interesting thing called percussion because it's so different from drums, mm-hmm. congas, bongos, tim- timpani. It's like not the same. Like you're hitting something, but it's like it's got an actual key and mm-hmm. pitch to it, and you could make like play literally m- melodic songs with it. Yeah, my partner. Uh, depending on how fast you roll, you could it can be a note, but you probably can't play fast enough for you to hear. You can't. You can't. You can't. <laughs> the brain needs uh, a good, you know, twenty, thirty, forty milliseconds. Yeah, of continuous time. I think it actually takes until about 50 to 60 milliseconds to recognize pitch. Mm -hmm. So if it's a fast transient, just like a hit, you don't have it. That's why, what are your thoughts on people who are very, drummers who are very obsessed with tuning the toms and the snare and the kit to like the resonant pitch of the key of the song? Because in my mind, I'm like, you can't recognize the pitch of the skin. So it doesn't really matter. You're not hitting it fast enough. You're not hitting it long enough. So Uh. like- 
What do you think? It depends on the piece. Like, sometimes it just sounds bad if you have, like, I don't know, you're playing, um, what's a, what's a really good one? Um, surf, uh, Oh, the 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 song by the Adventures, yeah, called Wipeout. There you go, and you have the low tom tune to the tonic. Like I don't know if you really want to hear. You don't want to hear a pitch for the tom. You want it to be G. I think it's G. Would be yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah, so some I would say no. Or triangle. You don't want to have a pitched triangle for a thing. You want it to have a lot of frequencies to really match the orchestra. Right. Um, so sometimes I would say, yeah, tune it to the the resonance of the piece. Other times I'm like, no, it just sounds... What do you tune to? What do you... How do you do it? Resonance of the drum. Okay, of the drum itself. Yeah. So each time... It- is but then people have their own twist on it. I know. And then everybody you have a, has you have a, a bottom head. Yeah. Or sometimes you take off the bottom head. Sounds like a drum podcast. Like that's a the YouTube thing. Uh sounds like a drum. They talk about this all the time. Really? Yeah. So yeah. Wait, so what do you think? What would you how would you coach someone and tell them like how to tune? Like what even oh, what does man. that even mean to the layman's the tune to the resident of the drum? Um so It's, I would say, the resonance of the drum, you would hear a attack. It's a, it's a balance of attack, sustain, and release. Or decay and you know, release. Decay and release. Yeah. Um, so you would hear a clear attack. Um, you wouldn't hear a lot of like, wow, wow, wow. You would hear a daw, something like that. Um, yeah, there's some nasty overtones on some Yeah, drums. that's that's why you really need to have it balanced with the bottom yeah. head. <laughs> I have had to work some editing, equalizing magic on the recording end with people. Mostly a snare. Snare yeah. is by far the, the worst snare, where yeah. it has this boom, boom, boom. Some people do the wallet, some mm-hmm. gaff tape. They put a ring. But if you want, I'm sure, are you a purist about that? Do you want to want to just figure out how to do it without any of those things? You you. Well, that's the thing. You need something, um, but depending on the type, the, depending on the way you tune it, you can have a lower pitch uh, overtone or a higher pitch overtone, a fast one, a, a, a longer sounding one. Um, yeah, and then you have, or, I mean, orchestral snare drum tuning is slightly different than like. Uh, what do you call it? Drumline. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's <laughs> you know, for drumline. It's, it's just dead. Yeah. It just hits and just over. Yeah. And it's very high. Like it's the the pitch for is, drumline? Yeah. It's yeah. a very higher pitch, in my opinion. It's ear piercing. Do they do you practice hearing conservation, hearing protection? Oh yeah. I have like custom Sensophonics? Which I have no idea what they're called. But I have custom made. Are, are they the ones you got? You had to go in. They do a silicon negative, and then they take it. Yep, Sensophonics over six sixty North Milwaukee. Oh, I got them in Kansas City. Oh, you know, Sensophonics is a great company in Chicago that I tell everyone to go to. I've been there a bunch of times, but they make like really cu- nice custom ones. Out of, you know, they put a, a, a mold in your ear, or they make a mold of mm-hmm. your ear, and so you have custom earplugs. They have interchangeable filters. Yeah. You know, negative. I do negative fifteen decibels. 
I think I got 20s. There's 9, 15, and 25 for this mm-hmm. available one, and 15 is the flattest frequency across from 20 to 20,000 hertz. It has no boost or or attenuation or anything. Mm-hmm. So everything sounds exactly how it shows. It's great, but what I'm getting at is by far the most hearing damage is going to yes. be from percussion. By far. It's the loudest thing in the band. It's the loudest thing, period. It's designed to wear acoustically, without even amplification, like electric guitar, amplified. Bass, amplified. Vocals, PA. Drums, that snare cuts through all of yeah. it, even without amplification. I mean, obviously at big venues, they still amplify uh-huh. it. But smaller places, they don't put mics on it. Yeah. They don't need to. Maybe the kick drum, but that's it. Not the snare. Yeah. And the cymbals, don't even get me started. Yeah. And you know, ride simple right here. Oh, when you're, I was in a band, I've been in bands forever, but before I wear hearing protection, I would just be like, you know, feet from a snare, hi hat, like the, the, the left side. Mm-hmm. And my ears would be killing after practice. It's so loud. But do you, so you tell people in your life, your students and stuff to get hearing protection? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's good. It's important because. There was a time of the generations before us where it was like lame to do that or, you know, like, oh, you don't need to hear. Like just the dumb stuff that yeah. truly ignorant people would just be saying. They have no idea what they're talking about. It's like telling someone like, go outside and stare at the sun. It's mm-hmm. like, why would you do that? You're going to wear glasses, a hat with the brim, sunscreen, protect yourself. Like hearing is no different. You can't yeah. just expose it to these. These loud sounds are not naturally occurring and they were never around for our existence mm-hmm. ever. These are all man-made new things. Our ears were not meant for them at all. You know, we, our ears have been developing for a long time, and they were never meant for amplification mm-hmm. and, and bands and concerts and venues and orchestras and sporting events. These things didn't exist, and there's some serious hearing problems. And most people think that the hearing is just, it comes with age. We're really mostly yeah, self-induced. Most, yeah. What it just so happens that with age things are self-induced because you've mm-hmm. been exposing yourself for a long time. Yeah. But if you actually protect your hearing your whole life, especially if you stick away, stay away from like drugs and alcohol, cigarettes, those things hurt your hearing. Your hearing could be quite good at yeah. an older age. It can, and you'll meet those people once in a while. You'll talk to an older individual, and they're pretty sharp. They could still hear really, yeah. w- like really well. And you're like, oh, you can like. And then you talk to the old person who was either in war or, you know, military, yeah. um, had an accident, machinery, worked in warehouses, forklifts, whatever, and they're just like, huh? What? Huh? They just can't hear anything. And it's sad. You know, you lose the ability to communicate yeah. and be a human being. Yeah. So protect your hearing, everyone. <laughs> Do the thing. Do the thing. Um, what have you been doing lately? Writing books. Um... When you write... You, do you mean physically right? Do you type it? Type, type, usually. Or I'm, yeah, type or map out. Like, I'm mapping out the timpani book. I'm sorry, everybody, about the timpani book. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, like, my last book was, uh, the first book was 10,000 exercises. How many pages? I don't remember. <laughs> it was, I it's wish a, you brought one. I want to see I know, it. it's a big, the first book was big. The second book is twice as big, like, it's in, it's stupid. And insane. where where are these people buy, getting these books? Uh, so you can get the first two. Uh, they're physical copies through Bakovich Publications in New York City. Um, thank you, Bakovich, for sponsoring this. <laughs> um, and then the book three and four are digital on my website. Three is going to get a second edition where I actually talk about time, and I have a slightly unique, but not really. 
I have a dancer version of how to explain time. Time as in like uh, tempo, 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 and uh, inte- uh, rhythmic integrity is what I like to call mm. it. Rhythmic integrity. What are your thoughts on metronome versus not metronome? Uh, performing and or recording. Yeah, you need to. You need a guide to know what your tendencies are, and then when you are comfortable enough. Eventually, you won't need the training wheels unless, you know, you have to go back and recalibrate sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah. I despise my tr- <laughs> <laughs> There's that loud sound Sorry. you said you were going to make. No, I love it. I love it. Why? What do you, how, why'd you make that sound? You feel like... Oh, it's, I, it's my laugh. So. No. So, oh, so it's funny. Good. Yeah, I can't. I'm so sick and tired of them. Not because they don't work, because obviously they do. It's the obsession and reliant... Yeah, it's nature people have with them where they get married to it and they're like then they can't play in time without it. Like yeah, and and they won't a song isn't right unless it's there even when the song is fine without it. They, yeah. The fact that they know it wasn't the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The psychological parts of it drive me crazy. And in my experience with recording um thousands upon thousands of live takes without metronomes, I have never been wow or impressed or oh they needed this when i do listen to ones that do have it like yep. more studio albums or the studio albums that don't use it i'm just like it didn't do anything yeah I, i'm not a metrodome mm-hmm. and neither are you we are not perfect atomic clocks so like why are you we trying can't to pl- yeah. keep track of that anyway in fact most of the time you play with your heart how you feel where your mind is these things have been flow so i i agree maybe it's a good thing to like a training wheel yeah. Get started, kind of make sense of it, and then cut that thing out. Just play music, have some fun, yeah. live outside of this robot. I, it just drives me crazy. And I, I've just had such brutal experiences with people trying to like play along with it, and it mm-hmm. just isn't working. They're trying to make that shoe fit. And a song that is recorded and played to a metronome that isn't quite matching is way worse than one where they just play according to the vibe yeah. of the space and room and the drummer becomes the metrum and they yep. feed off each other and the drummer doesn't speed up because we're not speeding up but we don't speed up because they're the, not and yeah. boom 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 and you feed off it's a symbiotic relationship that's my thoughts but I'm not a percussion aficionado I just record a lot and I, I see and I play a lot too I get it it's like I, I never had the need for them you know but yeah it's like well and then it's it's good to do it because like when you do have to play with the click track with uh when we have to play like movie scores with the film. That's true. You'd be surprised how many musicians <laughs> cannot play with the click track. Now like, that is a place where it probably does make sense to have it for, yeah, for it's, a score. It's like we pre- I like I like I'm I know how this works. We all work with the metronome. We all have worked with the metronome. It's a click it's literally the same thing. Why are we rushing? <laughs> Oh man, you sound like uh, what's his name, um, the the actor in Whiplash. Oh God, yeah. He, what do you think of that movie? Being being the, so, the the expert that you are, the ending killed it for me. Yeah. If it wasn't J.K. for that ending, that's who it was. J. Yeah. K. If if there wasn't, if that ending didn't happen the way it happened, it would have been a great movie. Like, like it, what part of the ending? Because it kind of have a couple parts of the ending. So. Right? There's a there's a a moment where the 
Uh, J.K. Simming, Simmons, not Simmings. J.K. Simmons smiles at whatever the kid's name is, and he smiles back. And it's like there's a moment earlier in the movie where he said he wished he could have had this type of student who reminded him of his favorite uh, player. Mm-hmm. Um, and that moment, uh, he he, you could see he finally found the in this student, the person he was looking for. Mm-hmm. But it makes it look like all the abuse was worth this event happening. Ah. And the kid acknowledges it, and he smiles back. And I don't like that. It's, it's just... Right, that it took all that abuse for the person. Though. Yeah, it, it makes it seem like all the abuse was what it took. And yes. it was a good thing. And yes. that is not the ending I wanted. No, I mean that's not a good way to for anything to go. It should be the more contr- you could be strict and harsh, but more constructive reinforcement and criticism, not throwing things and mm-hmm. just belittling, just embarrassing, yeah, ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any uh, instructors like anything like Thank that? God, no. Um, I was very for like all of my teachers. I was very fortunate to have. Very like my very first teacher, Doug Waddell, was probably the strictest, but also like it, it wasn't in a mean way. He was just like, This is where it has to be, and these are the things you have to do. And blah, blah, blah. you know, it wasn't like you gotta do this, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Okay, um, okay. yeah, it's probably the everybody's been amazing. Luckily, I haven't had a bad teacher. Have you heard of any? Oh, yeah, you <laughs> like, <laughs> especially when I went to college because when I was in. Like, growing up, we just had Doug and Patsy, and we didn't know anything else. Um, Like, I didn't know Velocities was a hard graduate piece because they just found it online. They were like, you want to learn this for college? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'll learn it. Um, So when I went so hard? Just the technique you need and Mm -hmm. the endurance that you need for it. You – people – just because uh, in percussion scholarship program, you get – like really high level teaching at a younger age. So we were super ahead of the curb at like age 12. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, we were playing like high school level things when we were young. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you get to college, you hear about other teachers at other places and how tough they are or how some teachers won't acknowledge you unless you want a job after you graduate. Um, there were rumors about that. There's, you just hear, like, weird stories of just, like, like the nepotism, narcissistic teacher. And you're just like, why is this a thing? Like, it's supposed to be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I never understood being, like, that ruthless teacher. I'm not that person. If If someone messes up, or does something completely wrong, I'll just like politely explain to them yeah. that that happened. And like, you're going to want to fix that because in the real world, you can't like be doing that in a professional setting. Or if you sent the wrong file, like you're going to have to know how to do file management and, and label stuff and have the right bit depth and sample rate and levels and stuff. Like that's just how it is. Like it literally is quantifiable. There's empirical information. It's not subjective. But then when it gets to subjective stuff, which I kind of like more, then it's more or less trying to get them to understand and talk about what yeah. they're doing and why, how to express it, 
how to explain it to others and themselves, how to explain to people who don't know what they're talking about, to professionals, and, and give intent as to why they're doing it and what the outcome they're intending for. Um, and then meshing that with the technical stuff. I think mm-hmm. both are great. But to be rude or condescending or like harsh, no. It yeah. doesn't help anyone. It's not – this isn't like – this isn't like, you know – the ultimate fighter or like an yeah, NFL it's not team. Boot camp. Yeah, this <laughs> isn't boot camp. That the only time that you do that is boot camp because it's like life or death. Yeah. And it is super like beyond serious. Like this is this is music. Like Yeah. I mean you know, we're putting together melodies and rhythms for the world to enjoy. This is a luxury that we have in our society, you know. And it's pretty interesting. Music is fascinating. Where where do you think it comes from? Oof. <laughs> Man. In your so, experience. You know, uh, JoJo Mayer would, this is, again, I always give credit to people because, like, it's, just, it's like you, acknowledging uh, or or similar wavelengths of thought. Like, okay. I've had this thought, but I only knew I had this thought when mm. someone talked about it. Like, oh, it was igno- uh, not acknowledged. Um, like, a, I don't know. Can't think of the word. I'm terrible at English. Like, like acknowledging someone who can't um, do it? paying homage. Affir- it was an uh, an aff- affirmation. It was an aff- uh, that I was right about something, or I, what I was thinking was actually the thing I was supposed to be thinking about. Um, it was, I was affirmed in that belief, or something like that. I can't <laughs> think of the other words. <laughs> People are going to be like, "It's this word on the podcast." <laughs> um, also, so, yeah. remember that a lot of people listening don't know. The people you're talking about. So try to oh, when jo- you say okay. them, say who they are, or how yeah. you know them. Or like, so Jojo right. Mayer is the drum set player for the band, his band, Nerve. Uh, they uh, started in New York at the New Blue Club, mm-hmm. I think. It's bad that I know more about uh, those bands than I know about music. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now they travel all over the place. I think he has four albums or maybe five. Um, and his whole thing was to take drum and bass beats and play them acoustically. And it's insane. Like hmm. the, you be like, it literally sounds like a machine, not that he's trying to sound like a machine, but he's trying to get the musicality that he hears DJs, uh, do and do it live. Mm. Um, so they, they obviously use some mixing, um, they have live mixer. Uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, they have a keyboardist. I can't remember his name. And then uh, John is the bassist and also produces the music. I want to say I'm probably terrible at this, but yeah. So Joshua Mayer would say, um, music is like talking about your entire life mm-hmm. in a, in a piece or a piece of depending on the piece of music, it might talk about a specific scene in your life. So. Um, yeah, I think music is that. It's like how you grew up, what you were exposed to, what your life's, uh, experiences were, uh. But like, so those might be a combination of where some sparks come from, but like, where does the, no, that might be the ignition. Where is the mm-hmm. spark? Where, where, that might be the feel. You know, That's the feel. Where is the spark? Where does it come from? Because... It's quite innate to humans. All societies have done it, regardless of if they even knew of each other on this planet. Yeah. 
how like so it's something in a human thing it's a human characteristic a human thought human expression um, oh what is it do you uh think? i can't remember if it was daniel barenboim who said this or um i'm gonna get super emotional apparently wow <laughs> that's just, okay uh they someone said oh it wasn't Daniel Barenboim I wish I had my quote book because I I remember the quote but I I have his face in my head but I can't remember his name he's a professor somewhere and he was like how would it how would it be what would life be like if I could just tell you what Beethoven seven means like I could just say oh Beethoven seven is about blah 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 and there's a guy and da 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 you wouldn't need Beethoven seven. Like you, it's you can't express certain things like like with English language. There are certain things you can't express deep enough using that language. You would have to speak in German or mm-hmm. Greek would be a better language because it's a lot more specific. Like Greek, um, the Greek word for love can be split into like different like love of a family member, love of a friend, uh. love. So you would need a different language to explain love. But at a certain point, that language is even not good enough. You right. need, like, you can't express it. So then you express it through movement, or you express it through art, or you express it okay. through sound. So it's almost like the most fundamental form of expression could be music. Yeah. Because it is, um, as humans, we're quite obsessed and naturally so with patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chunk stuff with our brain schemas as we set up that information from in threes and fours. Hence why almost every time signature is either three or four or variation or of the combination of them. Seven, 11, it's still four, four, three mm-hmm. or four, three. It doesn't really matter. Um, and even doing a polyrhythm or poly measure is still variations of that. And then melody is, well, we have pitch recognition because of our human voice. We yep. speak to each other. And we also have it so we can understand other animals and knowing, like, that's not human. Yeah. Or a bird singing. Like, we, so I think we combine those together after, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years. And as soon as we started to manipulate tools, I think some of the first things we started to make were instruments mm-hmm. based on that. Because we could have been able to hit, tap, and sing at least, you know, a hundred thousand years ago. But as soon as we were able to pluck strings and pipes, I mean, I think instruments are probably some of the first things society's worried about and yeah. thought about because it's also a great thing for connecting, leisure time, spiritual mm-hmm. um, journeys. If people are taking psychedelics, playing music, having that around. But there's something weird because I, I wonder when we first started to sing and why. Because it has, evolutionary speaking, it really has nothing to do with survival it seems like a a leisurely thing leisurely thing to do i wonder what it could be well i mean baby cries that's a elongated tone that is true a really brutal one but yes yeah actually my my old teacher mark he (laughs) this is completely aside um like you were saying it's like the most fundamental thing that we would do and so we were talking about um I started like kind of stretching before a lesson. He was like, does a gorilla stretch before he climbs a tree? And I was like, yeah, he yawns. Like uh, you, when you yawn, you kind of like yeah. do that thing. Yeah. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you got me. He's like, but yeah, it. Act, but you know, it's it's a natural thing 
if it's what the body needs. And like a baby needs you to pay attention. It cries. Yeah. So it's like a net. It's not a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, an artificial kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you find something that sounds like a bird. And you're like, oh, this reminds me of a bird. And then you have a toy. You know? Yeah. Also, I maybe mothers and fathers were singing to their kids too to soothe them. Mm-hmm. Something uh, calming about a, a a nice pure tone. Yep. That has really nice overtones. It actually cats to, purr. Like you hear? Yeah. It's like this is blowing dogs, my mind right dogs now. Howl, why? <laughs> I was just like, nature sings in different yeah. different dogs like, howl. Ooh. And you, most dogs who never howl their whole life if you just go up to them and you start howling they'll match your pitch and they'll mm-hmm. howl with you i have a dog i used to have live with bo was his name he would always do that if he just he would never howl at anything he just if he would never howl unless you did it so if you'd never howled he would go his whole existence with never howling but the second you do it he starts to do it and he matches it and almost has like the continuous like Ooh, mm-hmm. and you do it too and the more you do it they do it more it's weird yeah and a lot of animals do forms of it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a form of expression, way of communicating, way of again maybe safety, soothing, knowing like if you know your yeah. mother's voice as a baby and she sings to you, it calms you down. And again, having that drone, there's vibrations, and mm-hmm. if you're being held, the vibrations transduce across the body and they go across. You know. Wow. I like this. Yeah. Subscribe, <laughs> like, like, subscribe, share. Post. This is DZ Records. <laughs> I love the way you keep saying it. Like it's some underground college radio station in like the nineties. <laughs> You're like when you first went, like, welcome to DZ Records. <laughs> Hello, I'm your DJ, Josh Jones. They call me JJ. <laughs> my grandma was a DJ. Actually. Really? Yep. That's on my mom's whoa, side. Whoa, that's rare. DJ Lady was... Diane the Dove. Cannot remember what? the year, but it Where? was it was back when. Um, uh, they did um, like Chicago Steppers, like that era. Mm. Um, not the you know college, you know more of the step to the left, step to the yeah. next type stuff. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. What you know? What era it could have been? I can't remember. Sixties, seventies, definitely sixties and earlier, probably. Wow, that's wild. Probably, I hope. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I can't remember. You said grandma was? Yeah. And your mom's mom? Yep. Wow. From Chicago? Yep. Nice. That's great. Has your family been in Chicago for a while? Yeah. Everybody's in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I wasn't here before. I lived in Hickory Hills before. Mm. So, you know, have you heard of it? Yeah. Moved here a year ago. I've been here since last September. So I like it. I mean, I found a great spot. I can do my studio. Yeah, this is great. It's awesome. I band practice. I record bands. I was recording earlier. Do this. Bands sleep here all the time. It's cool. And, well, you saw a little bit of upstairs, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's no. beautiful. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool spot. What what neighborhood do you live in? You said by DePaul, but. Uh, by DePaul. Like Lincoln up, Park. Up north, uh, north of Lincoln Park. Yeah. North of Lincoln Park, I think. I love how you don't know. <laughs> you got yeah, know where I live. I'm, I'm up there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there are good restaurants. I know that. Yeah, up there, great Indian, great Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Demira, you've been there in Lakeview. Demira, by, by not yet. It's across street from Although, the Mill. I think one of my old teachers wants to take us somewhere close to there, but I can't remember if it's De- that one. Okay. Yeah, it's across street from the Green Mill. 
about the Aragon oh, Ballroom. Yeah. I love, oh man, I love that area. Have you played played the Green no. Mountain? You should. Maybe one day. You could. You do all these other things. Yeah, but no one ever calls me for Green Mill. It's like, <laughs> well, do you gig a lot with a bunch of like local bands and stuff? No, that's it. That's what it is. It's because I know a bunch of people who play. It's just like it's a lot of local artists mm-hmm. doing it. So you just, if you do that with your experience and notoriety, you could easily get in there. You know. Cool. Yeah, should do it. So you don't play in you've do you, have you ever played in any bands like rock bands, indie you know, bands, hip hop bands, jazz bands? Just nope, just, just orchestra. Huh. Like, why why? Do you prefer that? Uh that's just where the my opportunities were. Hmm. Like we were kind of saying, uh, if you have those connections, like Doug and Patsy were like my first gig was a women's chorus gig where I had to play drum set because Patsy didn't want to do it. <laughs> or mm. I guess they asked her, and she was like, "You know who'd really be good for this?" Mm. Um, so that was my first gig playing drum set with the women's chorus. Hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, all the gigs were orchestra gigs, and it was never you know drum set specific. Hmm. Um, not that I couldn't do that, but you know, <laughs> are you interested in that? Or you just do you not care? Um, not really intrigued. It, honestly, it really just depends on the time and the. Uh, event like if someone called me to do drum sets somewhere as long as it's not you know rock double bass stuff I could probably do it <laughs> uh, if it was double bass I would need like a three weeks to prepare probably mm-hmm. and practice my left foot um, but even then I probably wouldn't take it because I, I don't know anything about rock like heavy metal <clears throat> you know that kind of stuff you don't need to it's just one and two Three, four. Oh, on, I'm no. thinking about like screamo. Oh. Yeah, you just do one and two and three and four, but thirty second notes. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the only difference. Um, what 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 inspired you to go into percussions? I know you said you were playing in your house, but like, why? What even before that um, got you into where? You know, so this is where we got get to talk about Disney music. Um, yeah, what's up so, with Disney music? <laughs> You're so, 32 it, years old? 31. I'll 31. be 32 in November. Great. What day in November? The 14th. Nice. I'm December 14th. So. Oh, nice. One month later. But 34. I'm older. So. You look great. Thank you. Did you think I was 32? I, I didn't. I don't know. I was like, oh, this young guy has a studio. <laughs> <laughs> what a young strapling man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm like 18. <laughs> Um, but yeah, sorry. I was asking you what got you, what you got, like what got oh, yeah. you into so, percussion. Um, so my family on my dad's side specifically is super musical. Of course, I have the grandma on my mom's side who was a DJ. My mom can sing, but she says she doesn't. She's the driver. Um, that's what she'll always say. She just drives everybody every part. Um, so you can't sing and drive at the same time? I'm just, <laughs> it's like, mom, you know you can also sing and drive. Uh so, yeah, dad's side was musical. Um, so, grew up in basically like non denominational black church. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, music is a huge, huge thing. Yes. And I just gravitated towards the drum set. Don't know why. Um, when I was on my first birthday, and they probably still have the video somewhere. We got to find that VHS. VHS is everybody. Um, there. There was a scene where I was eating cake, and then they turned the music on, and I stopped eating cake, and I was, like, rocking back and forth, and then the music would stop, and then I'd go back to eating cake. 
and they turned it back on, I would stop eating cake and rock back and forth and then stop, you know. So it was like, oh, something's going on over there with the music and that kid. Um, And then when I was three, my grandfather on my dad's side got me a Mickey Mouse drum set for Christmas. And I was just like, oh, my God, a drum set. And, like, I I could they couldn't get me off of that thing. Like I was just playing that drum set until the bass drum broke. <laughs> um, I don't even think it had a pedal on it. <laughs> I think it clicked the bass drum. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but it's so funny because I can still remember them opening the door and it was just sitting there. And I remember, I can remember the feeling of the plastic sticks with the little line where they like melt them together or they break it off or something. Mm-hmm. Like I can remember all of that. Um, yeah, like it, it's a very unique experience for me. Um, so yeah, drum drums were always a part of that. As far as music specifically, and kind of more niche classical, um, you know the scene in Lion King where Mufasa dies and uh, Simba's like trying to wake him up. He was like, "Wake up, Dad!" Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was either four or five. Um, I woke up because I heard the television was on and it was playing. It it like started right at the scene where it's like all foggy and misty and you see Simba go like, uh, you know, he's like running and you start hearing the strings come in and the choir goes. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, a saddest thing ever and you just I just kept hearing the music and so I went over to go see why the TV was on like why is somebody watching Lion King right now it's like late um and it wasn't on mm. and I was literally staring at the television and the music was just that whole scene was just playing in my head as loud as like if the television was on it it huh. would not stop um so yeah I, I don't know what that was. It was like a, a spiritual experience at four years old. Um, never forgot it, obviously. And that's one of the reasons I love playing movie music when we when we have to do it in film, uh, movie with the orchestra for people. Um, it's one of the reasons I got into classical because mm. I was like, oh, I could just do that all day. Evoke tremendous amount of emotion. Yeah. Emotion from a score yeah so you've done scores yes how many um i I think my favorite one we did was mary poffins that xylophone part wait the movie yeah with emily blunt uh with julie andrews mary poffins uh that was the new one oh no 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 the old one so you didn't do the score, you just played along? Oh, played a, yeah, we played along uh, for uh, an audience. So we do uh, like Harry Potter. You see my confusion. I thought yeah. you did the newest score for the Have newest Mary Poppins. Have not played an actual score Blunt. yet. Got it. Only oh my played. goodness. I was like, wait a minute. That's crazy. That's so cool. Did you yeah. like fly to LA to do that? Like, whoa. You know, if they called, I would totally do that. <laughs> um, so you've done it like we're at some type of performance where they play the movie and you just, you play what was played. Yeah. But you got Or it. attempt to sometimes. Sometimes those tracks are like, like they tr- transcribe what they think they heard sometimes. Mm. Um, and then other times you're just like, how did they play this? Or they try to transcribe a gliss on a xylophone because they think they 
actually played <laughs> the notes. Mm-hmm. And then things get weird, but we're not talking about that. So I've done Mary Poppins, uh, a few Harry Potters, um, uh, movie, uh, Christmas movie, Home Alone. And they'll play the whole movie. Whole and, and you movie. just come in and out when you play yep. these. That's cool. Have you ever done like Star Wars? I uh, did Empire Strikes Back That's and cool. Return of the Jedi, I think. Where do you do these at? Oh, simp- like I did Empire Strikes Back with Detroit. Um, I want to say I might have done A New Hope with Calgary. I can't remember which one. Um, Return of the Jedi, I think I did with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I can't remember all the orchestras. It's hard the, the to The next Chicago one you do, you got to let me know. I'd love to see yeah, that. Yeah, uh, CSO, we played Frankenstein. Oh, cool. um, it was a very short score for me. I think I only played one track or hmm. something. Or, or I can't remember how it worked out, but it was only like one thing and everything else was like uh, MIDI or something. I can't remember mm. how it worked out. But I, I remember I left very early that day. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite score? Oh, I'm going to get a lot of blowback for this. <laughs> you keep saying that. Who who are all these people that are going to get My partner. <laughs> um. You know, you know. Okay, there's a few scores. Hunchback of Notre Dame, the cartoon. Yeah, that score is. They don't make scores like that anymore. Really? It's that good. Who who did it? Alan Menken and um. Oh, uh, I can't remember the guy. The other, uh, I can't remember who was Tim Rice, but I know Alan Menken did that one, and he they just gave him all the money. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> that choir. <laughs> I mean, that's back. What was, <sighs> what was that? The early '90s that came out. That's back when yeah. Disney was like crushing it. Yeah, it was like the only person in town to make yeah. animation movies, and people still went to the theaters and mm-hmm. bought tons of VHS and DVDs. weren't even a thing really yet. Yep. So like, they made their money on the front end and the back, the back end, yep. and at Disneyland. The re 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 release. <laughs> Open the vault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the 30th and the 50th gold anniversary of Fox and the Hound. Like, yeah. You know, all that stuff. Oh, man, that score. I watched a lot of Disney movies growing up. A lot. I think we had every single one of them. Every mm-hmm. single one of them on VHS. My yep. sister had 50 or 60 of them. I think I remember the ones we didn't have, and it was like the rare ones, like the Black Cauldron. Yeah. Like ones that people don't really know about. Dumbo. Not really Dumbo. What's the other one? Oh, uh, the... Yeah. The Adventures. Oh, The Rescuers. The Rescuers. Rescuers Down Under is probably the only good second uh, sequel. Yeah. The Rescuers Down Under. Yeah. Down Under. It's such a... Oh, my God. <laughs> what are there other ones? There's a couple ones that are still not that... There were ones that were more live action. Um, uh, yeah. Um, in like, the 50s and 60s. Like, the one I saw a lot, Pollyanna. Mm-hmm. Pollyanna. Yeah, I don't know. Watch just big tons of Disney movies because again, I also grew up in a non-denominational de- non-denominational Christian church. We were not allowed to watch you most know, things, <laughs> pretty much anything but PG and under. Uh, which is funny because there's some PG movies that are like, like Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's a PG movie. That's a PG that's movie. Kind of should be a PG there yeah. movie. <laughs> and, oh, how times have changed. Oh, it's kind of funny, but then. What else? Yeah, we didn't have cable. Didn't watch Same. those kind of movies. So I, I grew up watching, you know, a ton of Disney stuff and a ton of movies like that. Things of that were a lot of corny stuff too. Yeah, because it was like you know, direct to video, PG mm-hmm. movies, like corny church movies. 
Bible man. <laughs> What's that? Um, the donut, the donut dude that talked. Do you remember that guy? Oh, um, the guy, and there was the guy who brought him in with the mustache. Yeah, the kid. I, I it was can't really corny. That one. The donut puppet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. I can't think so of the name. So ridiculously corny, but yes. What was that name? D- Rusty? No, I don't know. Um, that one, the Buttercream Game. I remember that one. Tons of movies of like church-related movies or movies about. That one guy, the, the, the drawing, the cartoon character. What was that one? Man, the Page Master. Remember page the Page Master? master? Um, that Culkin? score is, it's, it's a good score. Not my favorite, but it's a good score. Yeah. Page Master did. I bet you John Williams did that one. For some reason, I could just. Oh see yeah, I can see him doing that. Me that's too. A, that's a that, that's a definitely Casper. Casper, that movie <sighs> made me cry. Casper, I could talk. I could talk eighties yeah. and nineties corny like G and PG movies forever. Brave that's Little Toaster. Brave Little Don't. That score. I literally was talking about that at DePaul with somebody. Um, toaster. Uh, um. <laughs> Oh, man, uh, Kyle. I was talking to Kyle at DePaul about t- Bray Little Toast, and we were just talking about that, the main theme in the beginning. It just sounds like Debussy or something. Like, mm. it's, how? <laughs> Bray Little um, Toast, The Nutcracker, Fifel Goes West. American Tale is probably my- American s- Tale. It's probably my favorite cartoon movie ever. Really? It's a perfect movie. Hmm. Like, I think that's a perfect movie. Okay. Um, that's a bold statement. Yeah. What about Iron Giant? That's a pretty amazing anime. It's a, movie. oh yeah, man. The la- <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my freaking yeah. You're excited about this. Yeah, I'm getting I you love. Going. Yeah, I love. What do you think of the Disney movies and Pixar movies now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm shook a, a nerve. I'm an old. Yeah, I like the '90s, and you know, um, it. It was sad because when I, I saw, um, I was going to say I saw Let It Go in theaters. <laughs> I mm-hmm. saw whatever the movie's called, uh, Frozen. Um, I saw Let It Go in theaters. Um, so, yeah, I I realized when that came out, like, Disney would never be the same. Like, it, it wasn't Why? my... Because, yeah, it's that musical, like, Broadway musical sound now. It's not that, like, kind of, not grungy, but, it, like... <laughs> That cassette tape sound, that VHS tape sound. You kind of still had it with Tarzan, even though it was, like, a little more processed because Phil Collins, and, you know, it wasn't, like, the same vibe. Um, You're thinking, like, Little Mermaid and, like, Aladdin? Yeah. Like, it wasn't that sound. It's never going to be that sound anymore. Um, Lion King? Yeah. Everybody look. (laughs) Look left. Yeah. So (laughs) that's, that's where I was like, yeah. And the same thing with like Encanto, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like great story, great movie, music. I could, you know, it's a different sound, and it's it's not, you know, it's it's different. It's like uh, rap now. You you don't have the same like, huh, hey hey, ho ho. You have more like. Exactly. So things have evolved. Then I was going down the street. One, two, three, four, five, six. To Seven. catch, to go get this and wash my feet. It's not like yeah. that's so like eighties, but hip hop rap now is interesting because mm-hmm. it is on a far wide spectrum from yeah. like the trap stuff to like we're in that world of like 
I don't know what they're saying. Like, yeah. Literally, they're speaking English, but I don't know what they're mm-hmm. saying, which is fine. It doesn't really do as much for me. I'm, I'm much more into stuff that is uh, evoking a little bit more, not just about like partying or like pop culture, be, yeah. being in the now, but more uh, talking about things, problems, political, emotional. Um, but I, I enjoy some fun stuff too. There's a lot of really fun R&B stuff out now where mostly like the 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 women that are in it with how much they're leaning into like sexual lyrics mm-hmm. which is which 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 is a much newer thing in a broad scope yeah. of pop culture. I think it's always been a thing but now it's really acceptable mm-hmm. and okay. So I kind of enjoy that enjoy that cuz I'm like men have had this forever. Like we've been sitting like people have been singing about this yeah. forever. It's like women should have it too. Like why not? It's stupid. To like, we get it and you don't. But so I'm enjoying that because it's like nice to see that's happening. It's also just like, it's funny, like not in a bad way. It's just like funny when when the lyrics are so on the nose. Yeah, it makes me like laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, like wop. You know, it just yeah. makes me like laugh. It's just like so in your face, and it's clever. It's very clever stuff. You're like, this is goofy. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna sing it, and it's funny. And I'm kind of glad that people get mad at it. And, like, it makes me laugh. Like, yeah. who cares? Don't listen to it then. Like, whatever. I don't know. I also don't have kids. So I guess, oh, that, yeah, same. I don't even know what it would be dog. like. He doesn't care. Or she doesn't care what you listen to. Do you, does, does the dog react to different things, like, musically? No. No. Like, I played, uh, when we first got her, I played this loud Prokofiev thing, and she was just sleeping through it. It's like... <laughs> Whatever. This oh, man. Crazy brass going on. So, Disney movies, you really, really enjoy. Yes, absolutely. Still to this day? It's to this day. Really? I will sing, I can still sing all the lyrics of most of these songs. I think I could, too. If you played it, I'd be like, I'd be right there. Because, again, when they when you have them hit you as a kid, and again, like ABCs at this again point. kids who are listening, there was no streaming services in the 90s. You either owned the movie or you went to Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, or, ha- or Family Video, or a friend lent it to you. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. So you would rewatch stuff a lot. Just like how people rewatch and binge. I'm going to rewatch that show. We did the same thing, but it was with Aristocats or Fox and the Hound, you know? I just realized something about the new Disney movies. So, okay. Back in the day, like, you would have the Aladdin movie, and you have the movie version of the song. And the album version of the yeah. song. Now it's like you hear the album version in the movie. Uh, and it's so off. It puts me off so much because it it's like they're singing the I Want song, but I hear nothing in the actual environment. Like she's making all these ice sculptures and I don't hear a balance of ice sculpture and your voice. It's just like everything else is turned down. Do you think they did that to like because of this notion of like fast tracking everything, keeping it all concise, and I don't like why. I don't know. Why do I, that? I think they might have just were like, "Oh, we're trying to amplify this the the person singing." And I'm like, but at the same time, you're breaking the immersion because they're, you know, True. it's it's like it's very subtle, and you know, if you have those ears, you hear like everything go into studio mode yeah. in the sa- in the uh, in the theater, and you're just like. Why is everything getting a lot more com- compressed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on the remakes? Like the um, most recent Lion King. You know, <laughs> that's a big. I really, thing I, I really King. wanted, I wanted them to work. The only one that I really liked 
um, was Jungle Book. That was a really interesting yeah, way of I updating it, too. it. I enjoyed that one too. Um, it was funny. Very funny. Yeah. Bill and Murray I, was funny. I really appreciated what they did with that one. Um, what about, um, I haven't seen The Little Mermaid. I heard it was good. I, I don't want to see it still yet. <laughs> I want to wait until it's, I, I just happen upon it. Yeah. Um, but I heard it was good. Thank God. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Hate. The Aladdin one made me so mad. Oh, my God. It was terrible. I, I didn't even want to wa- I just wanted to see one scene. I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just wanted to see one scene from the Aladdin movie, and that was the snake fight. Yeah. It was bad. The Aladdin one. If you haven't seen the movie. <sighs> I had to watch it because <laughs> Aladdin was, like, my favorite of all of them. I mean, that came out. I mean, I'm, I was born in 89. That came out, I think, 92. Was the first I was going to say 92. Return of the Jafar was probably like 93 or 94. And then I'm looking out for me. King like, of Thieves was like 95, 96. They kind of did them quickly. Mm-hmm. I loved all of them. But the first one, I mean, yeah. it's huge. And huge for my sister. We had, you know, the blankets and everything. And I watched that movie so many times. I loved Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, he was the best genie you could have ever yeah, had. Yeah, you, you can't. <clears throat> Will did his thing. <laughs> Will Smith but, does a lot of things. <laughs> he does. A, he does a lot of things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I just wanted to see the snake fight because I thought it would look cool on the big screen. I'm I was on a plane. I don't know where, and I was like, oh, Aladdin's. There. I'm just gonna fast forward to that because that's all I want to see. I want to see the yeah. snake fight. Was there a snake fight? No. <laughs> they just made Iago big. You had all- <laughs> how much money? <laughs> Yeah, those. I they, was so bad. They need to stop remaking them and just make new stuff. Just yeah. hire there's some so good many writers. Good, there's so many good stories that haven't been told yet. There's endless stories that haven't been told. There's technically no end to how many different stories you can tell. Just like there is no end to how many different songs you can make. Now they're gonna are they gonna have recurring themes? Just like are they gonna oh, have yeah, recurring key signatures mm-hmm. and tempos? Sure. But what you can do and layer within it and around it will alter that yeah. to the layman's ear. They won't know any better. Same with music, same with movies, same with books, same with comedy, same with all art. It's going to pull a little bit from some stuff, but if you do the right combinations and the formula's right, you will mask the obvious things that are you know common mm-hmm. themes. You can have the element of surprise. You can have some twists. Pixar has done a pretty decent job. They have yeah. a couple misses. Soul, I thought, was amazing. Great. I loved Soul. Inside Out Inside was Out. so sad. Go see it. <laughs> but uh, Onward was okay. It was fine. I didn't see that one. It wasn't bad, and it wasn't great. It was like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Coco was pretty cool. I enjoyed Coco. Yeah, Coco was... Yeah, it was good. The last one, was it Enchanted? What was the last? Oh, I can't remember. I, the good dinosaur was also okay. Oh, God, that that's... Oof. What? We we thought, okay, so me and my sister... My sister has a, a son, um, and we were thinking, oh, we'll just watch a movie to kill the time. We were like, oh, this looks cute. <laughs> good dinosaur. <laughs> and it, <laughs> if you don't know anything about the good dinosaur, it's just like, it looks cute, and then the first bad thing happens, and the second bad thing, and the third... It just... That is what I've realized about Pixar is... They are heavy. Most of them are pretty heavy movies. Yeah. Like, not all of them, but like two-thirds are like kind of sad and mature, but the kids don't get it. Yeah. So it's to appease the adults. Mm-hmm. 
get the anybody in the mid range to get them thinking, like teenagers, you yeah. can kind of get a lot of it, but not all of it because they haven't been adults, haven't dealt with like ser- serious stuff, death, not mm-hmm. achieving your goals, resenting people. Like, they don't know about that yet, yeah. but they could think heavily. And then kids who don't get any of it, and they just laugh at all the cool stuff and the colors and the textures. Yeah, and the it's like, why are so, we watching Grave of the Fireflies right now? <laughs> they're trying to, like, I think trying to get a wide, cast a wide net for those. Yeah. And it works, because Up, oh my god. Oh, yeah. These movies are so sad, but if you're a kid, you're like, don't get... This is cute, balloons. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching There's Up. There's a dog. <laughs> I was watching Up yesterday with my niece. She's two. And she didn't get any of it. Mm-hmm. But she's just, like, laughing. And giggling, yeah. and I'm like, "This is sad." She did, none of it makes nothing, so it works. Their movies work, but I if you're an adult, sorry. you're like, "Man, whew, this is pretty sad." But yeah, I hope they don't botch it. I hope they keep yeah, trying keep to spin out with Pixar. Good stuff. If you're listening to this, you're doing great. <laughs> we love you, Pixar. If you're listening to this, you should probably retire Toy Story. Yeah, they should have ended with three. Yeah, yeah three four was. was f- Fun, four but was un- fine and what unnecessary four did well, for me. Though, was the CGI animation was in the so good? Like, oh yeah, the animation was. I think the best I've ever seen in a movie ever. Like better than all the movies I've ever done. Four was when it rains. The first scene when they're like, showing the house in the rain, they're outside and trying to get the car out of the little gutter. Mm-hmm. The rain looks like rain. Yeah, like, you're like, oh, it's raining in the movie. It looks so real. I can't believe it. And I don't think there's ever been a computer-generated animated film like that good. But it's like Toy Story. They can yeah. put the most money into it. The best animators, you know. What about Pinocchio? Have you seen Pinocchio? I haven't. And actually, you know, funny. It was good. I liked it a the, lot. The original Pinocchio, um, my favorite scene was the clock scene. Mm. Like just... Like all the different time signatures happen at the same time. Ding, oh, yeah. ding. Like I have it on my phone right now. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, my mom said I, I watched that tape until it broke. Like I, that was my movie. Apparently, random aside. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, toys. I know it's a good score. One is uh, Fantasia. Yes, the original one from what the forties, forty two, forty seven, forty something. The newer ones, fine. What Be- about Fantasia two thousand? Is that the beautiful? One? Yeah. Um, not. The you know the human stuff is like mm, I could do without. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I know a movie that was really cool. Do you remember the Great Mouse Detective? Yes, that score that is amazing. That movie's awesome. They'll never re-release it though because of one scene. Why? Let me be good to the striptease scene with the <sighs> yeah with the blue. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Right? I think that came out in the late eighties, eighty eight. Yeah, and I haven't seen it since Great I it was movie. probably ten. But it, I used to love it. It freaked me out. The movie's freaky. Yeah, it's dark. It's weird. Great movie. So wait, if they re-release, elaborate it, on that scene because I can't remember it. There's, well, that's the thing. If they they could like they do this with with their um, uh, movies was across that Disney. Yeah, was, they okay. they but they do similar things like with uh, uh, Lilo and Stitch. There's a scene where Lilo's in the uh, hides in the laundry uh, dryer, and so they changed it when they re-released it on DVD to her uh, hiding behind a pizza thing. Because they want kids, kids to go in the dryer. Exactly. So they could do something similar with, like, changing the scene to, like, her just singing and not actually stripping. <laughs> but she should, like, yeah, she's literally stripping on stage. Oh, my God. It was like God. a, a bo- uh, uh, 
Boot, um, I can't believe they put that into a kids movie, even in the eight, like at any time. Really, it doesn't yeah. really matter the era. Like, yeah, it, man, they were all in coke. That's what, what it is, was. Not, bud, not boudoir. Uh, they had to been in coke, right? I can't remember. <laughs> hey, y'all, boys, on the house. I can't remember what they asked for, too. But yeah, he was searching for the bat. That's uh, Radigan's uh, henchman. Um, I I gotta watch uh, Radigan. Already yeah. Oh my God. Tops these and movies. that's that. I haven't seen them in so long. Dun, dun, dun. I have that on my phone too. Dun, 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 oh dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Like it's classical. <laughs> Another good one. I don't think it's uh, Disney, but it is such a trippy movie. It also kind of like matures. Um, what is it called? Uh, Who Framed Roger Who Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, Toon Down. Great movie. Wild concept. Super yeah, um, cool. And there's a, there's a really good breakdown of some of the scenes of that movie when you're first getting into it with the with, uh, whoever the guy's the detective. Um, I wish I the remember. Th- yeah, I wish <laughs> I remember the channel on YouTube because it's, it's a really good channel. Um, it, it shows you like all the little uh, Easter eggs that give you clues about what kind of detective this guy is you see like a different like it's so cool it's kind of like a Coraline type deal that movie's amazing oh yeah They're like all the I'm so still good. finding easter eggs from TikTok like it's it's crazy in Coraline? yeah they do that a lot? oh yeah like the, the lore in Coraline is super deep on TikTok apparently really? yeah <laughs> the people are gonna listen to this and be like oh cool we're talking about drums and then there's an hour of, of mo- Disney like yeah, kids, about drums. <laughs> kids movies what, how, okay listen drums you bang on them you do it in a certain it's, time it's and tempo it's, it's that's super, it that's, yeah, that's, that's that simple buy my book okay <laughs> <laughs> can you find them on Amazon no Porque? Uh easier for me <laughs> oh really why probably royalties and stuff I don't know um Really? I don't know. It's I feel just like Amazon's easy. the ultimate place. To, it literally started as a books online bookstore. I'm sure, <laughs> but I, I think it was easier for me to go like a legit publisher, and they just do everything in house. Mm. So that's cool, though. How yeah. did you get hooked up with the publisher? Uh, my old teacher, Mark. Uh, so Mark was friends, or is friends, with another drum uh, drummer named Joseph Tompkins, and he writes. French rudimental etudes or French American rudimental etudes, and his books are produced. What's an etude for those? Who oh, know? an etude is a short piece of music that you play. <laughs> it's like a study of different rhythms, or uh, yeah, basically a study of rhythms. Um, it's usually very short, and depending on what uh, composer you're playing, it could be long and hard. Um, or short and difficult one of the biggest things I've noticed about highly trained musicians is they say things and explain all these technical things and never explain what they are they just say them as if the world not making fun of you I've noticed it's like really funny it's like a thing people who are like really into music they're like and then that and it's part of this thing and it's It's part of that it's a portamento and and I'm like you (laughs) realize they're naming Latin words and I'm like people don't know this like it is such a niche world yeah and because of that the inverse happens where because it's so niche you get so immersed in it because you have to Mm -hmm. for college and for your job that it's all you know. Like, you know it's so well. Inside and outside, it's like a language you could speak, literally, music theory. But everyone else on the planet, the other 99% of everyone has no idea what any yeah. of these things mean. And whenever I'm talking to someone, I always got to let them know, like, 
I don't, sometimes I don't say anything. I think it's funny. I'm like, no one knows what you're talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> etude is the same thing as a song. Like learning a song. <laughs> That's it. I learned a song. Etude. Yeah, it's like a, a song. It's like ABCs. It's an ABC type song. Got it. It's not like a Jingle Bells type song. Okay. A Jingle Bells type song would be like a concerto. Or singing Whitney Houston would be a concerto. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. That Actually, that's a pretty good, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll <laughs> yeah, take, I'll that. take pat, that. Pat my back. I'll take that. So this is, So how did you get hooked up with the publisher? Oh, so Joe Tompkins gets his books produced by Bakovich. So I started writing some French rudimental etudes, which ended up being my fourth book. And he was like, oh, Mark was like, you should send these to Bakovich. Because Joe Tompkins writes fruit, French Joe Tompkins is a teacher? Uh, yes, he teaches at the New School of Music. In New York? Uh, yep. Yeah. And plays around places. And who's ba- Bakovich, you said? Yeah, Bakovich Publications. I don't know. Is it Polish, German, Belarusian? I have no or? idea. <laughs> it's got to be Polish. Could be Polish. I just know Rockovich. they publish books in they New York. <laughs> it's Eastern European. I know that much. <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, that's cool. Have you been there? No. No? Have yet to go to let's New go. York let's for go, that. Let's go crash in there. Like, yo, we're probably, he's published there. I'm just for the ride. But, like, we should be able to come in and do whatever we want. I, I do need to go to New York again because there's so many people I need to see again in New York. There's it's too a many people. wild city. Yeah. I love it there. It's a great time. So, Have you been there to perform? Or? Yes, I performed uh, at a hall in Carnegie Hall. I can't remember <laughs> what the hall was called. I performed at a hall. In, in Carnegie. Carnegie Hall. You know, you could just lie and say you performed at Carnegie yeah, Hall. Because you're not it, lying, actually. Yeah, that's the short version is, you know. Because if you performed, performed at Carnegie, at Carnegie Hall, Hall, you're performing at a hall in Carnegie Hall. So yeah, like, it, it was is. for the From the Top taping of, I can't remember what day, but I was on From the Top three times or four. I can't remember how many times. Um, from the Top. That sounds is like a, a beautiful <laughs> performance, though. It was lovely. I played Rhythm Song, and for those who don't know what Rhythm Song is, it's a song that's just, it just sounds like for 11 minutes <laughs> on a marimba. Um, so, yeah, it's just and then the ending is and that's rhythm song on marimba. It kind of reminds me of uh, the 2008 Beijing Olympic opening, have you seen it? With all the I drums? have not. Oh, I have not, but... It's um, so cool. Yeah. It is like precision like you've never seen. Because it's like, yeah. how do you get a thousand people to hit a... I think it's like their version of a timpani. Mm-hmm. Taiko drums. All at the same time. Like, they're hitting at the same time. Like, you could be 500 feet away and you're somehow hitting at the exact same time a guy. Like, yeah. I don't know how you do that, to be honest. That's so hard to, like, get that that precise and on time. And it's so cool. It's organized. I don't know. It's awesome. Remarkable. Mm-hmm. Inspirational. Um, it's 9-11 today. Yeah. That's crazy, right? I think we briefly talked about that when you first got here. Did we? I don't even remember. Maybe we didn't. I think I've talked about it a couple times today, so I don't even know if I even talked about it. Uh-huh. That's crazy, though, right? Do you remember it, where you were? Uh, at school, and then I wasn't at school. Like, I remember getting there, and then... Fourth grade. Beasley, Fourth grade, right? Beasley Academic Center. Um, I can't even remember. Because I think if we're... T- you turned 32 in November, so you're born in 91. Yep. And I turned... Yeah, so you would have been in fourth grade because I was in sixth grade. Yeah. Wow. 
That's crazy. Twenty two years ago. Yeah, that was a really messed up, terrifying thing to see. Yeah. Wow. Somber note. Yeah. <laughs> And nothing's been the same since? Nothing has been the same since. I can't believe that you used to be able to just go to the airport and your friend, like you can go to the airport right now. If it's 2000, the year 2000, I could just go with you, well, walk yeah, up to the, the gate thing. with you. I don't think I was ever, I don't think I was ever in an airport before then. Well, so just look at I... the movies and shows. Seinfeld. Well, that's true. You know, George walks a Jerry to the gate. <laughs> Any any show, mm-hmm. anything, anytime there's a movie or show is a, 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 with it with um Pre- showing that. it, people just like go to the gate with each other. There's no TSA. Mm-hmm. I think there was probably a small amount of security. Like you probably do go through a metal detector, but like, yeah. that's it. And then you just keep going. I don't even know, but it was really really minimal, and anyone can go with. You didn't mm-hmm. you just need a ticket to go. You just couldn't get on the plane without a ticket. Yeah, but like your friends and family can go oh, with you. Oh yeah, because I used to go when my sister flew before that. I, I remember going. To O'Hare Airport and walking up and chilling by the gate with her mm-hmm. before she left, and like that's it, and you just leave. And now you could not anymore, which is good, but I can't believe they weren't doing that already. Yeah, that's it's, what confuses me. I, I mean, me. I kind of feel the same about COVID. Like you, you're in a doctor's office where sick people go, and you're just there. You don't think about like, oh, there's a lot of sick people at the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. I don't think about germs, you know? Yeah. It's like a high, uh, a heightened awareness that in in one in some ways you took for granted and in other ways it's like it was nice that you didn't have that heightened awareness. It's like being a kid. Yeah. Kinda, you know? Ignorance is bliss. It's yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean... That's as good as in its bads. <laughs> yeah, when you hear about our our parents and like when how they might have navigated or traveled. I mean, my my mom or dad will always be like, "I asked before they gave you DUI, is they just put you in the drunk tank overnight and like give you like a ticket and let you go, mm-hmm. or like slap you on the wrist?" You know, like it's like really for like being hammered and driving. Like now you yeah, you, you get a DUI. Like yeah. everyone does <laughs> who does it. You know, very little exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and flying, it's just. To be like, wait, they didn't check anything? That's how people were smuggling the drugs and weapons so much back in the day. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait. So people were flying commercially since like, I think the 40s or 30s. And they, it took them 70 years to like actually check thoroughly. Hey, we should probably look for this. Like, this is a a flying bomb in the sky. Yeah. Filled with tens of thousands of gallons of jet fuel. Like, this is no joke. Yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre how how um, reactive our protocols are. Not yeah, proactive. not mm-hmm. railroads. Car, I mean, car accidents with the seatbelts. Yeah, for it's like we millions of people something. would have lived if they had seatbelts. Exactly, it's like like hindsight. they had the knowledge of engineering for the physics of a car, but they couldn't think of the physics of when a car crashes. Like really, it's like I don't know. I almost felt like deliberate, you know, gross negligence. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with the. I just finished that show, Painkiller. Have you heard about I it? Haven't. Ne- have you heard of it on Netflix? Mm-mm. It's about Oxycontin, the pill that's the painkiller, and the Sacklers, the family who like kind of created it and had Purdue Pharma. Mm-hmm. It's evil. It's a brutal show. Mm. It's good, but it was like brutal mm-hmm. and sad, and just like it made me really mad that people go to jail for like selling mushrooms or weed, yeah, or yeah. Anything like that, but then because Big Pharma found a way to do it legally, mm-hmm. they're okay and they can make billions. 
just fine. They have so much control. Politics. Capitalism. Here we yeah, are. Royal, yeah, we're back full circle. <laughs> Capitalism. Play drums, everyone. Play music. Mm. Man, what time is it? 7.30. Is it really? Yep. Wow. We've been talking for a bit. Look at that. You said you... You talk about movies and, you know... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could talk about movies forever. I'm a big movie person, but I haven't watched those Disney movies we mentioned in forever, like, since that era. Yeah. I probably stopped around, like, you know, 12 or 13. And I haven't really watched them since, but I remember them all so well because I watched them so much mm -hmm. in that time, you know, over and over again. Um... Do you see, like, Barbie or Oppenheimer? I want to see Barbie. I heard it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is great. I'm glad it, it is exactly what I thought it, it was, was going to be. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it. So I have yet to see it. Have not seen Oppenheimer. Do not want to see Hop Oppenheimer. Oh, oh, really? You don't want to see it? Yeah, just because, I, I, again, I knew it was going to be what it is. Um, and a what? lot of the things, it, it, thank, it glosses over... Uh, necessary vo voices in that time period, like uh, landowners who had, I can't remember the whole thing, but yeah, uh, it, it tells a certain side of the story. Well, yeah, I mean. Of course, that's, which is like fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the actor who I absolutely love did a great job. He probably did. Um, you know, so. Mm -hmm. It's a movie I don't need to see. I loved um, it. It was amazing. <laughs> It was wild. It was uh, very overwhelming. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's a dark subject matter. And it's, mm -hmm. the point of a movie like that isn't, it's not possible in, in two and a half, three hours to show the Germans, the Japanese, yeah. Americans, English, French, like what everyone's experienced be through that. It's like, that's if it was picked up for HBO for a whole limited series. Then you can do that stuff. Yeah. But when it's just a movie, that's the problem with movies. It's the pros and cons of movies. Mm -hmm. They're like a snippet of what happens. But then if you, what I like now that enough movies have been made in history, especially like the last 30 years of high quality content, yeah. you can watch Dunkirk. Have you seen Dunkirk? Mm-hmm. Which the opposite opposing to that is The Darkest Hour, which came yeah. out the same year. But then you can watch Saving Private Ryan, mm -hmm. and then you can watch uh, The Thin Red Line. You can watch all these World War II movies, and actually, it you in one movie, they couldn't get all the stuff. Yeah. But you put them together, and you actually have your own miniseries of it. The same is true with, like, 1917, mm -hmm. and All is Quiet on the Western Front. Great and then movie. the documentary that Peter Jackson did, They Should Not Were Old, about World War One. Mm -hmm. So if you watch all three of those, then you get... German side, American side, and then the objective historical looking back at it, mm -hmm. not cinematic, because it's supposed to be a documentary. So, like, that's what I like about it. That's, like, what Oppenheimer did. You, you, If you take that and you watch it along with all the other movies, it tells another section of it. Because if you wanted to get everyone's experience, which is all, another valid point, it's like, then I need 20 episodes. Yeah. Because you know, there's not enough time to just do all that. So much to have enough t attention to detail. It's also very creative. With is very um, played on the psychological stress that he went through. It, mm -hmm. it was mostly just focusing. That's why yeah. it's called up. Like yes. just on him, and like what he went through having to do that. And he felt awful about it. And nobody cared. And the politics loved that they were like mm -hmm. again playing on capitalism and politics and about winning. And he was just like a. You know, I become 
you know. I have become death. Death destroyer of the worlds, you know. <laughs> some cried, some laughed, some were in silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point in your life, you find yourself watching it. It was a pretty remarkable, um, visually, sonically, mm-hmm. score, all that was just yeah. oh, beautiful. I don't know if I'm in a... I don't know if I'm in a place I can see that right now. But, <laughs> yeah, there's some movies like you see it once, you know, that's you only need to see it once, you know. It's... <laughs> I like the dark ones that provoke it. And I, I like to feel it. I like mm-hmm. to remind remind myself why it's important that we yes. don't ever do this again. Yes. That's that kind of is... what it was. Yeah. Because it's like if he felt that and he lived, what did the rest of the world and Japan and Hiroshima and Nagasaki, what did they feel? Yeah. You know, Part of me is like, I don't want to see it because I know I'm going to get angry about, like, we haven't apologized for this. Like, this is one thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is dark because it also shows how ruthless people are in war. Like, yeah. what they do, like, um, there's a scene, spoiler, in the movie where they're kind of trying to figure out what cities drop it on mm-hmm. and one of the higher generals three four star generals just like just with no feelings at all just kind of like well not osaka i think it's osaka i think he's like not there because my wife and i honeymoon there it's a nice place to visit so we won't do that one and he just like yeah but like doesn't care it's just because he's been there before and he like uh-huh. so not that one let's pick port yeah see i'm already getting just... but like that's just they did that here and guess what? Other countries did that when doing stuff yep. to us or to like it. Yep. That's what all is quiet on the Western Front did. Yeah. It put you in the shoes of because mm-hmm. we're always like, ah, oh, those Germans. It's like, wait a minute, what is it like? What to is be like that exactly? So it's like, yeah, the generals did that, but the other ones were doing it too. Mm-hmm. Like, you think the generals in Japan when they bombed Pearl Harbor and killed all those people and innocent people, like, do you think they weren't also thinking of those things? Like, it's just chess, and yep. we need our Money and regardless of going back of why they were provoked to do it because of us throttling throttling the oil they were, you know yeah. to Japan, there's it's complicated, right? I don't have all the answers. I'm not yeah, a strategic no military person. Only more. I'm questions. just saying that it's complicated. And both sides are doing stuff. Um, sometimes in favor, sometimes with no remorse. Sometimes they feel bad, but they have to. Sometimes yeah. they're orders. Both sides are doing it, you know, and both sides have their takes on it. But yeah, it's it's an evil, awful. All, like terrible game that yeah. I wish we didn't have to play, you know, at all. I like drums. That's I like all drums. I, play. <laughs> I like drums. What are besides Whiplash? What are some other good drumline? Yeah, drumline's good. I think so. It's it's corny. As, <laughs> you just it's said so it because you're corny. like drumline. There's drumline. You know, there's is oh, that with what's his name? Um, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon isn't he like a? I hear his name a lot, and I don't think he I has ever, a lot of kids. That's all. I that's know. it. That's why people see He has the uh, show. Yeah. Wild and Out. That's Wild it. Wild and Out. Okay. And he, he went after Eminem once. Which why? I think he just wanted notoriety. Oh, like, okay. You know, if, if you want to get noticed, you go after Eminem as a rapper. I feel like it's hard to go after Eminem. That's the thing. Everybody knows they're going to lose. Yeah. Because so he's the like, whole thing is just like. He's like a serious rapper and has gone highly. Yeah, it's like going after Mike Tyson or. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Like, yeah. you only do it to get noticed. Yeah. You're, you're not going to win. No, you can't win. <laughs> you can't win against the best fighters ever. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> Even a lot of, like, 
highly renowned hip hop artists and rappers go like Eminem's serious. Yeah, Snoop's like, <laughs> oh yeah, Eminem's family. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're all in the same album. Like, <laughs> but also uh, Snoop, like, come on, <laughs> Drumline, <laughs> Whiplash. Whenever they do my documentary. You know, that'll be a good one. Nice. Yeah, you can have a doc by yourself. I, I have too many docs. Nice. Randomly. Wh- who made them? Like, what was uh, the first one was from the top um, for the TV spot. And then the second one was done by uh, Uprocks. It's called Detroit's Percussionist Mastermind. Whoa. Back, back when I was at the Detroit Fellowship. That's awesome. Where can people cool. find those? YouTube. Really? My website. Same again? So one's called Detroit... Uh, Detroit Percussionist Mastermind on YouTube. And then the From the Top one, you have to dig deep on that From the Top uh, PBS oh, <laughs> spot. Oh, okay. I think there's a there's a children's education uh, portion of PBS where you can find it. Um, yeah, you have to dig deep, though. Okay. Like it's old. That's pretty cool. When were those made? Ooh, the from the top one was probably, oh man, when I was like fifteen. So, yeah, probably fifteen. How they find you at fifteen? Oh, um, so something uh, percussion scholarship program does. We always have to record for different competitions or things like that. And mm-hmm. from the top was one of the things we always had to send in tapes for every year because that's just what Doug and Patsy wanted us to do. So uh, when I went to Interlochen, I auditioned for the uh, radio spot, did the radio spot. They loved it. They were like, we should have you out for the TV spot. And that's how I got to Carnegie Hall. Uh, the hall in Carnegie Hall. The hall in Carnegie <laughs> Hall. What is, what is your favorite venue you've performed at or played? Grant Park. Grant Park? Yeah. Where the Bulls would stand for their trophies? Oh, I have no idea. But uh, Millennium Park. Oh, um, Millennium yeah, Park. It's, well, we, yeah. The Grant Park Festival Orchestra plays at the Pritzker Pavilion. So that's where you play. You yeah. don't play at the Grant Park Pavilion that's facing, like where La Palooza is? You play no, at the Millennium? definitely not. Okay. You they see, used to play over there. And they, okay. the people who are still there who were there when they played back at Grant Park, they were like, oh, man, that hall was terrible. Yeah. No, um, the, the, the Millennial Park. Millennium Park one's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. That's oh, cool. Man. I've been to some really cool shows there. Yeah, I think that's my favorite one. Detroit's probably a second. That hall is gorgeous. Really? The sound specifically. Really? Yeah. It's, it's Acoustically, they did it right. Yeah. And they, yeah, sorry. Honestly, I don't, I think that Chicago Symphony Orchestra's sound is just okay. Yeah. I've heard better ones. And The hall specifically. I love Chicago yeah. Symphony. No, I love, the symphony's amazing. But the hall could be better. It, it's it's a little bland. Yeah. It's a little dull. I don't know why. For how prestigious that crew is, literally internationally, it's like, what if put some money into the... I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the, the, the dying art and the aging out of the orchestra and classical music? Because not a lot of young people really... You know, and that's the it. thing... Uh, my partner and I talk about this all the time. It's just the orchestras that are talking about, or not even talking, they're playing. Okay, so Jojo Mayer again. I'm going to quote Jojo Mayer again, the drummer from Nerve. Um, music should be a representation of art in its time. So 
as no as new composers come with different with their different experiences presenting to the audience, orchestra should be promoting and playing those types of music along with the historical things, you know, like Shostakovich. Like Shostakovich is always great at wartime, unfortunately. But that's oh, Shostakovich is a composer. <laughs> I know who he is, but Shostakovich is a composer. Uh, he was very angsty. Wrote about how much he hated war, and uh, yeah, it's his music is so great. Um, and uh, very, the Fourth Symphony is so depressing. Um, don't listen to that. One. <laughs> I mean, or do you know? It's so you're like, saying that they should play more modern stuff? Yeah, they should. It should be a combination of both, where you present the new modern things that people can relate to, like um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Joel Thompson's Seven Last Words of the Unarmed. Like, mm. it, it talks of it's basically a piece that uh, puts the seven last words of certain black. Um, people who were killed by police to music mm. uh one movement is um mom i'm going to college like yeah and that's the whole movement it's just singing over over like it's why it's, don't they play new stuff because think about it capitalism it's the, only, <laughs> it's the only musical form like they're just glorified cover bands yeah like you don't you go to music venue when you go to the Aragon Ballroom for a night. You're seeing new music from a new band. Yeah, you're not seeing someone do a cover of Elvis from 1958 yeah. or Buddy Holly. It makes no sense. Why are you still playing music from 400 years ago? It's, it's the probably only the, that does it's it. Probably the same reason why they're doing remakes of the same movies. Like those, well, those were great for. Why'd you say capitalism is? Oh, cap. So, you know. The way it works in this, you know, some symphonies is that you have a lot of people who pay a lot of money for the symphony to, you know, keep running, and they love Beethoven Seven, and every year you play Beethoven Seven because this one donor loves Donated Beethoven five million dollars. Yeah, and maybe some of the donors aren't as you know liberal as you know the people in the orchestra, so you probably won't play Seven Last Words of the Unarmed because. These people are Republicans. Sound like a bunch of losers. Grow up. Uh, play something new. You know, and there have been, I won't, of course, I won't say which orchestras, but there have been some orchestras uh, who used to have certain people speak at their events, and then the people would say something slightly liberal, like, um, I don't know, uh, this city is an abortion, uh, pro abortion city. And that could be a fact. And they're like, oh, we can't have them here anymore because the donor didn't like that they said abortion was a good thing. It's like... Do they... So if you get rid of the donors, put in modern composers and just treat it like a concert, people go and spend 40 bucks to exactly. go, then you're good. Because we don't have to worry about that when you go to your rock concerts and your and, but the problem, alternative yeah, rock and concerts. The problem is they're like, how are we going to recoup that $5 million dono? It's like, oh, dono. I'm talking in YouTube speak now. Uh, it's like, yeah, well, you definitely got to take donors and their special interests out of it because that keeps same it thing outdated. Politics. <laughs> oh God, let me get me started. So right. yeah, it's but it's it's great when you have an orchestra where the donors, the community, the management all are like in the same vibe. Like Seattle, Seattle is a great town. Um, their whole season is like really cool. Uh, Minnesota is another one. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 cool when it works when the the art the institution represents the community mm-hmm. or and it has the community in mind. Um, alas, not every orchestra has that, so yeah. it, it looks like. 1950 with like one black person <laughs> right yeah it's so it's so whitewashed the orchestra classical music world yeah they need to get that out of there they need to diversify they need to get some more uh get more minorities more women and less old people and less old money yeah less old money less i don't want to most... see the names on the wall who don't i, sp- I don't want to see the companies when yeah, I see that's these the tech firms like, and these finance firms and CSO, when I see their firm names on there, I'm like, what? what is that doing there? Like, this is supposed to be a amazing, traditional, like, awesome art telling, you know, hundreds of years of stories in this. This is why I really like Grant Park because we've always done, well, even before I was uh, principal, they've always had a combination of the classics that everybody likes, like your Beethoven 5, your your Shostakovich 10, and then newer music of people, uh, underrepresented groups, um, deep con- contextual pieces. Um, the last concert we did had a lot to do with, like, the, the pains of war. So I think it was a Shostakovich 8, and um, I forget what the other piece was. It might have just been Shostakovich 8, but, like, you know, things that actually matter, <laughs> you know, has a reason for being programmed and not just, let's play the greatest hits, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I can, hear, I can hear the greatest hits on my DVD, well, not DVD, but on my DVD player if I have a DVD player with a CD-ROM. Like, You're you also going to hear the greatest hits on Spotify. I hate Spotify. <laughs> I like, I'm a Pandora fan. Really? Yeah. You're old school. Yeah. I, Why Pandora. It's just better. Is also, it? because like I will make a playlist on Spotify and they would keep adding music to my playlist. Well, for you can no, change that feature. Uh, I can't find it. <laughs> I, I can show you. <laughs> Please, like they have they have two features where one allows you to keep just the raw playlist, and then one allows you to where they well you allow them based on the algorithm of the playlist to kind of put some stuff on there too if you want. Yeah, I can't stand that. And you don't have to do that. You can opt out of it. like. It's all completely customizable and modular, and you know you can move stuff around. Perfect. Yeah, I still um, don't use. It. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. We have to remember. I tell us to everyone who has a problem with like a, a iTunes or Spotify. I'm like, you realize like these are like the top ones in the world. They clearly have it all figured out, and they've been listening to constant feedback for like the last decade of their existence. So, like what you had a problem with, it's like they definitely have. Like you don't have to have that. Like. Um, but then there are some things I don't like, like the, um, I like the, the Q factor in iTunes better than the Spotify one. Um, I also enjoy some of the ways that the algorithm works in Spotify more than the ones, but they all have good pros and cons, you know, but for the most part, they're, they're, they've gotten quite universal because the competition's so high, they can't have something so obviously good for the other people mm-hmm. and, and they don't have it. Like, it doesn't work that way. It's the same with streaming services now. Like, if you've noticed, almost all of them now are, like, kind of modeled off Netflix. Yeah. Because Netflix was the first one to be big and then everyone's, like, they try doing their own thing and now it's, like, let's just, do what, <laughs> let's just do what they do because, you know, 
Yeah, Hulu, I love a lot of the movies and shows it has. I, I'm annoyed with its layout. Its yeah, interface is layout stupid. Is, yeah. It's like, wait, go over the, go down to do that. Like, what? Just click on it and go down. Like, what? I feel the same thing about iPhones, but we're not. Oh, really? That. You're not an iPhone guy? I have one only because my partner wanted me to get one, and the layout is so dumb to me. Why? What do you not like I about just, it? Also, you can't do t- double screen at the same time. Like, that's annoying. <laughs> Um, you don't like you don't like it, huh? No. What, so it's, you're just not an Apple per you're not into Apple no. stuff. Okay, that's just me though. Right, it's been my world for ever. Like, I have a iPhone, earpods, iPad, MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. and then the Mac Studio computer. Memory. Like, I have like, and then I have an old iMac in my closet. I have like six or seven, you know, Apple products. I used to have the iPad Pod, giant ass, just <laughs> all of them. And once you get sucked into the little vortex of a hellhole, you can't you like you can't get out. Because if mm-hmm. it's all you know and do, and it's all interactive and connect, it's all connected, you know, then it's like you, it's so hard to get out of it. Yeah, you're just like I'm, just, I'm gonna an Apple person. And now when I do go on to like an Android or a Windows, I don't know. Like it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait, how does this? What is the quick key command for that? Oh my god, I don't know how to copy. Yeah, I don't those. know any quick key things. For I just know things I can't do that I used to be able to do that yeah. were really helpful on on Android, <laughs> <laughs> like double screen or um, being able to just hold a thing and be able to download it directly. I can't remember. There's a couple of things I need, like three steps on an iPhone that was mm. one step on an Android. Okay. See, I don't know about all of those things because I never used Android. So I like I mean I have like you know my mom has one so. If I was like choosing music, you know, I, I had to like go through, and I was confused because I'm like I'm used to oh, the yeah. way I can, Apple I works. can't download a piece of music on i on my iPhone. I need to download it on my iPad or my i my my Mac and then transfer it to the iPhone. Like it, it's oh, we- like if you wanted to do like an actual file. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know yeah, it's saying. like why, why is this the third step for you know? So it's annoying. They, I I feel you on that. No, yeah, they got me hook line sinker. I'm stuck. Thanks a lot, Apple. You ruined my life. Apple, uh, I, if you're I, I listening. <laughs> Tim Cook, if you're listening, tell the ghost of Steve Jobs that he should have had Western medical intervention. He'd probably still be alive, but yeah. what do we know? Um, is there anything you'd like to plug before we end? Uh, drummojo.com is my website. I nice. post philosophical and nerdy drum stuff on there. Um, so if you like philosophy... I guess look at my stuff or read Bruce Lee. <laughs> I oh, have a nice. whole I have a whole book list on my website of all the books that I read leading up to all the craziness that I do. So like acting philosophy, Bruce Lee stuff, Tao Jeet Kune Do. Um, please read that book. It's amazing. Um, Tao Te Ching, read that book. Even if you're not into Buddhism, just read it. It's a great book. Um, Actors Way, Actors Studio. Yeah, it's like everything. Um, and people can find you on social media. Yo, social media, Josh Jones Drums, Instagram, and then Facebook. I have too many friends on Facebook, so don't look at me there. TikTok, I'm on TikTok, but I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok is toxic for me. Like, I, I posted a couple videos, and there were so many trolls on there. Like, it's, it's so bad. You should ignore them. Oh, yeah. I just barely post on there now just because I don't want to deal with it. Um I don't have a Twitter. 
I, I mean, I do, but I'm you never mean, on you Twitter. Mean X. It will never be X. It's like the Willis Tower. I'll never call it the Willis Tower. It's it Sears is the Tower. Sears Tower. Sears like, Tower, will... Comiskey Park. You know, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. That's it. So, okay. Pretty much social media is they can find you by your Instagram. name, Josh Jones. Josh Jones. Instagram. Or Google my name. Google his name, Josh Jones. Um, support him. Go out to see your shows. When do you play at the, the Pavilion next? Uh, next summer. Next summer. We play from middle of June to the middle of August. I'm definitely going to come. That's it's cool. free to the public, but we do like donations. Yes. <laughs> Buy us a coffee via the number. I forget what the number is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's if, nice you see to... on my st- if you see me on the street, say hi. You know, Josh Jones. Josh. <laughs> you'll hear that. And you'll know like, that was him. Hello. <laughs> I'll do some sort of voice. I'm very friendly. I promise. You're a nice guy. I try. It was nice mm-hmm. to meet you. Dude, we have to do this again. Yes, I feel we like we, we talked about everything and we still have a lot we could we do. Talk about. We definitely should do this again. We'll do it uh, in a couple months or something over winter. Talk about the new updated parts of your life. There will be a ton, I'm good. sure. When your books are more books busy. are busy. That's good. That's good. I'm glad for you. It's good when a musician is like doing the thing, especially when. They come from the south side of Chicago. It's a hard place, so I'm happy for you. Me too. Very happy for you. That's awesome. So keep doing it. And for those listening, remind yourself that you can do some some things of importance to you. Set your mind to it. Work hard. You can do it. Um, Cool. Thank you, everyone. Ciao.